Blog Talk Radio.
Given what most Americans believe, the next statement may be more shocking than any previous. The fact is, the United States is not a country, but a corporation contractually created by the Constitution. Your state is a country, per the law, and your original citizenship 
is of that country. Our founders instituted themselves to be first and foremost citizens of their respective states. As of 1787, those states already had formed a union, and they created the Constitution for the purpose of perfecting that union in forming a national government. They did not intend that the new nation have any jurisdiction or powers over the states or their citizens that were not specifically enumerated in the Constitution. They stated this point quite clearly in Article 1, Section 8, Clause 17 of the Constitution. They granted the United States exclusive legislation in all cases whatsoever over such district not exceeding 10 miles square as may become the seat of the government of the United States, our District of Columbia, and to exercise authority over all places purchased by the consent of the states. And that is all. The framers further secured the rights of the people with the Ninth and Tenth Amendments in the Bill of Rights. In the Ninth, they established that the enumeration in the Constitution of certain rights shall not be construed to deny or disparage others retained by the people. And in the Tenth, they made clear that the powers not delegated to the United States by the Constitution, nor prohibited by it to the states, are reserved to the states respectively, or to the people. The only way the federal government can have any jurisdiction beyond these constitutional clauses is by written permission or contract. Which leads us to another piece of the puzzle, the 14th Amendment to the Constitution, ratified in 1868 following the Civil War. As barbaric as it may sound today, the black slaves prior to the conclusion of the Civil War were legally considered to be property with none of the rights or privileges of free-born people, only duties. The money interests took advantage of America's desire to free the slaves and found a way to use the swiftly adopted post-war constitutional amendments to enslave all of the people. The deceit is in the wording of both the 13th and 14th Amendments. You will note that the 13th Amendment provides that neither slavery nor involuntary servitude shall exist within the United States. But why the emphasis on involuntary servitude? Isn't it the same thing as slavery? Sure it is. But they had to mention the concept of involuntary servitude because they wished to retain another type of slavery, voluntary servitude. Voluntary servitude is an ancient and established concept it was the way serfs became subjects to their lords during feudal times in England and other European countries. It was a way for free men to earn a living at a time when all property was held by a select few, and thus anyone who wanted to farm and support their family had first to agree to be subject to a lord of the land. Our forefathers hated this concept and designed our Constitution to exclude titles of nobility, making all Americans sovereign. The 14th Amendment turned the intention of the founders on its ear by making voluntary servitude a requirement for former slaves to gain the rights already guaranteed to free-born United States citizens. When the slaves were released from their involuntary servitude following the war, their status was changed from that of being property to that of being a person. But being a person still entitled them to none of the rights associated with citizenship. So the 14th Amendment ostensibly was written 
to provide the former slaves with the same constitutional rights of freeborn American citizens, but only if they agreed first to become subject to the jurisdiction of the corporate United States, making oneself paramountly, that is, first subject to the jurisdiction of the laws of the United States, however, limits access to parts of the Bill of Rights, as we'll explain in a moment. But first remember, anyone who voluntarily subjects himself to the laws or jurisdiction of another is, in every way, obligated to abide by the terms of any contracts or laws established by whomever establishes the rules of the contract. In simple terms, this meant that the former slaves became subjects first to the United States and secondly to the state in which they lived. They had no sovereignty whatsoever. This status had never existed in the United States prior to that time. The 14th Amendment created a new class of citizenship in the United States, a second-class citizenship. Up until 1868, every American was a paramount citizen of their state, and by virtue of that, also a citizen of the United States, with full individual sovereignty as guaranteed by Amendments 9 and 10 in the Bill of Rights. But so-called naturalized citizens, or 14th Amendment citizens, are paramountly subject to all laws of the United States, and, having no status as freeborn citizens, have no access at all to the unenumerated rights retained for the people by Articles 9 and 10 of the Bill of Rights. That's because, in order to get any rights at all, they had to subject themselves to the jurisdiction of the corporate United States which left them no unenumerated rights. The only rights they had were those specifically written into the Constitution. The sad tragedy of America today is that all U.S. citizens, regardless of race, are now 14th Amendment slaves due to contracts with the government of the United States through Social Security, birth certificates, driving licenses, citizenship statements, tax forms, and many other documents. The true paramount citizenship that all Americans deserve is that of their respective state, which is a sovereign citizenship. Such status would exempt them from federal and state income taxes, as well as property and inheritance taxes. This sovereign citizenship was the status held by our forefathers. Now, if you're still thinking that the U.S. government needs to have a central bank and collect income tax or it will collapse, think again. Over two-thirds of the federal government's income is derived from sources other than income tax. There is even evidence suggesting that none of your income tax is used by the government. Fees, excise taxes, tariffs, sales taxes, and other forms of income have easily supported the U.S. budget in the past and could easily support it now. We have done without a national bank for large stretches of our history, and the U.S. Treasury is perfectly capable of printing and managing a money supply. In fact, the only constitutionally sanctioned currency is backed by gold or other precious metals. This is a far more stable form of currency and is the type of money the Treasury was designed to handle. The government was doing so well collecting money under these original laws that it had amassed a huge surplus by the time this cartoon was penned a hundred years later in 1887, when there still was no income tax collected at all. Up to this point, we have shown you how the money interests have, one, established the Federal Reserve System, 
and two, exploited a second class of citizenship created by the 14th Amendment for other purposes, and we have mentioned a few names involved in the creation of the Fed. But there are other organizations working for our economic enslavement as well, along with other extremely rich and powerful international bankers. Those who support the Fed have created a global movement to centralize economic power in various puppet organizations that preach peace and stability through some variation of socialism, but act aggressively to draw nations into a web of foreign debt and servitude to their agenda. The United Nations, the World Monetary Fund, and the Council on Foreign Relations are all committed to an agenda of world domination through manipulation of economic power. The Council on Foreign Relations openly admits to being a private club, yet it is the primary recruiting post in both international banking and the federal government of the United States. Richard Nixon, Nelson Rockefeller, John Foster Dulles, Dean Rusk, Alger Hiss, Robert S. McNamara, and every president since FDR, with the exception of John Kennedy, have been members of this exclusive club where super financiers and your elected representatives can mix freely and plan the next step in the consolidation of power in a new world order. Another picture. Look at the so-called Egyptian, the African of Kemet and his and her culture, laced with gold, laced with silver and precious stones. The point I'm making is that you're from a rich culture, a rich past. <laughs> into your mind, body, and soul. Somehow we have bought into a shoebox of fallacies, and one of them is that it's all right to be poor. Whenever you see people prospering, always rejoice and bless them in your heart. Always do that. And you see, you magnetize yourself for that good when you bless other people. But you know, if you have a jealous spirit, oh, look at that. Why should they have that when I've got so little? Yeah, because you're you work, you operate your mouth against yourself. That's why. There's a verse of scripture also said that says, Thou art ensnared by the words of thy mouth. You know, the mouth can be a dangerous thing until you learn how to operate it positively. <laughs> Some people are like a prosecuting attorney against themselves. Every time you think of something good, you talk yourself out of it. Yeah, but I know, I just know, I, I sure wish. No, but I can't. 
But oh, I sh- Lord, I sure wish. Thou art ensnared by the words of thy mouth. Don't do that. That, that stems from your grand perennial roots and, and my perennial roots. <laughs> the remarks that I heard so persistently was that all I want is just enough to get back. And then the ones that my generation used was, how's it going, man? I made it. I made it. Now, that's another thing, and I want to warn you about this. You know, a lot of people are good at visualizing things for other people. Yeah, that's for Rockefeller. (laughs) That's for those rich people. You'll pass by those mansions in Bel Air and Beverly Hills that look at this where the rich people live. Look, look at that. That's for them. And you're really telling yourself, well, that's for them. I see them with it. But I don't see myself with it. Making what? <laughs> the standstill syndrome of hold on has been the banner of black America since we were imprisoned in this country and culture. Survival was of the utmost importance. Just to live through the theme of survival or the capture of Africa. Okay, if you can see it for other people, why can't you see it for yourself? I taught people to do this. Here's a little technique. That whenever you see people being, doing, and having good, always be glad for them. Always rejoice for them. And, you know, say good things about them in your mind. I said, look at that old rich so-and-so. The Bible says, curse not the rich. Reverend Ike says, if you curse the rich, you'll never be one of us. It became a fixed mechanism in the pseudo-culture that the African was developing in this, quote, foreign land, unquote. How to survive, the need to survive, the whole syndrome of survival is a slave mentality syndrome. I remember some years ago, I uh, drove up to our place up in the mountains in, in Monterey overlooking the, the ocean. And my custodian at that time was a very fine gentleman who met me outside and he saw that brand new mink, silver, gray, and blue Rolls Royce Corniche. And he said to me, he says, oh, Reverend Ike, he said, I saw this car in my visualization the other day. I say, yeah, but you made one mistake. You didn't see yourself with it. (laughs) So I got it. Prosperity is the correct concept for the African, where most of the wealth of the planet has been drawn from. Most of the gold, most of the silver, most of the diamonds, rubies, emeralds, pearls, Africa, that says the land from which we adhere is a rich land, a land flowing with milk and honey, 
that God's so-called chosen were sent to that land as a promised land. And when you decide it, you've got to do what? Believe it. Another picture, look at the so-called Egyptian, the African, Kemet, and his and her culture, laced with gold, laced with silver and precious stone. The point I'm making is that you're from a rich culture, a rich past. It's back here, the idea to be rich, to be prosperous, to be well-to-do. Okay? The illusion of poverty is just that. It is an illusion. In this teaching, that would indicate, yes, law, meaning that you have an affirmative attitude toward the law which works to bring you to the demonstration of the good that you believe. In this cycle we are in of high dispensation that includes wealth. You're supposed to get back something. Surely God is able. Say that. Surely God is able. Say it again. The third time. And I like to make it so very personal and say it this way. Surely God in me is able. Say it again. Spiritual prosperity includes material prosperity. It includes mental prosperity. It doesn't exclude anything. The masters who presented themselves to a given people renounced material materiality because they were demonstrating spirituality. They didn't need to harness and stack up anything. They could have anything they wanted when they wanted it. When you believe, nothing is impossible. So you got to believe. That's real prosperity consciousness. To have what you need and want when you need it and when you want it. It is not having a large bank account. Because the bank owner must go off with your money. <laughs> In your consciousness, that's where prosperity is. See it! Let's hear it! See it! This deals with visualization. We're not listening to whom we're supposed to be listening to. We're listening to the things that worry and trouble us. The things that confuse us, occupy much of our minds. There's an answer for every question. There's a solution to every problem. Where is it? Inside. It is important that you learn how to work in the theater of your mind. And I want to leave that term with you. Say, the theater of my mind. The theater of my mind. 
There's no more God out here than there is in there. Now, I'm going to tell you something important because, see, somehow we don't think we're supposed to get rich unless we work and save our money. And that's a practical, good way to do so. And, and I'm not going to knock that. You know, you know it, 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 as much as I dislike eight hours a day, <laughs> it, it's practical and it's significant and it gives a, a sense of purpose and direction. Wealth is given. It is not earned. I now enter into the theater of my mind and look upon the stage of my imagination. See, you've got it set there. And you and then I will say, I see myself. And then you describe yourself as you wish to be. So repeat this after me. I now look upon, I now enter the theater of my mind. And look upon the stage of my imagination. And I see myself as I wish to be. While we sit here, somebody's getting rich. And I want you to think about that instead of somebody tricking you out of your check. Money is an idea. How many ideas can you contain? What is it that brings you your good? Oh, there I am. Look how healthy I am. Look how happy I am. Listen to the way I'm laughing. I'm just the exact weight that I want to be. Look at that. My dimensions are as I would have them to be. Just look at me. And look at all that money around. What are you passionate about? What is it that you really love with all your feelings? Can you transfer that to money? Yes, you can, if you want to. So learn how to see yourself being, doing, and having the good that you desire. Enter the theater of your mind. Look upon the stage of your imagination and see yourself. And it's important that you see yourself being, doing, and having the good that you desire. Systematically, this man kept trying to destroy everything that something was giving him. He was doing it to himself, not the white boy. He was doing it to himself. Very good. The power of the word, spoken word. And we need to control that faculty. Huh? Because we take words and throw them like daggers. And they get results. Yes, you got to see it. You remember Flip Wilson, the comic, who used to say, what you see, what you get. That's true. And the man who said to me, well, Reverend, I saw this Rolls Royce Carnation in my visualization. He made the mistake. He didn't see himself with it. So, also when you see people with good, 
always say also, and when you pass those sign, home sign cards, people are looking good, say, that's for me. Let me hear you say it. That's for me. Say it again. That's for me. See, bless it, bless them, and say, that's for me. That means that you include yourself in that idea of good. Stay sharp out here. You gotta stay in the loop. Can't do what you did yesterday. You Keep me it's not a weapon they can form against me that will prosper. I've been whipping foreign bellies with an ill posture. Selassie, I know some deadly rosters. I've been dancing with the wolves, it's like Kevin Costner. Picking up the cases like Betty Crocker. I can give it to you hard if you already rock. But keep it low, cause you know you don't want the feds to pop up. On the real with all this money, only the feds can stop us. On birthdays was the worst days Now I might pop 80 grand on a Thursday Count that up 2.2 pants is what the birds weigh If I'm a pastor, please tell me what the church say Amen. Heard you Be cool when I swerve through Call the goons up, the niggas gon' purge through I done live through things that might disturb you uh, Promise this ain't the life you looking for Search my car, but I don't know what they looking for Secret indictments and I don't know what they took them for I scream mommy in the kitchen, she was cooking raw The trap house is the trap door Packed house, now we coming through the back door It was black tops rocking a black door Now we hopping out of traps with the mad cars Nah, that title does not fit you The culture is not with you Your verses are not scriptures I was the first and 15th Block clicker in the spot with the blicker The plot got thicker I only indulged in weed and not liquor Trying to have the best work and finish my rocks quicker Prices got cheaper, the hell's all mine Now the work that I'm touching can get me some real time I kicked it with the Lord, he sent me some real signs I started to record, I wrote me some ill rhymes The love and hate thing, I'm dealing with real lines Now it's two guns up, so I got to conceal nine They wait for you to die, then they label you a legend I'm debating on the new M8 or the X7 Fire! Figure either one to be a good look. Yeah, count my blessings, get my lessons out the good book. Promise. This ain't the life you're looking for. Search my car, but I don't know what they looking for. Secret indictments, and I don't know what they took them for. I scream mommy in the kitchen, she was cooking raw. The trap house is the trap door. Packed house, now we coming through the back door. It was black tops rocking a black door. Now we hopping out of traps with the mad dogs. 50 pointers in the chain just to hide the pain Trying to count up all this money, probably wreck my brain probably will. Free that nigga never, free that nigga man Use all my niggas to the system, probably go insane 
Real street nigga worth a few M's Rapping real street shit, dropped a few gems I know them niggas mad I'm in the new Benz Fuckin' spend another dime on some new rims Niggas from my hood die from niggas from my hood But everything I learned came up out the hood I took my niggas with me straight up out the hood But they'll call you fake, you make it out the hood Bitches turn sour, niggas turn snake They shutting off the power when the payment late When you broke, niggas love you, when you rich, they hate They plotting on your death, trying to set a date Promise this ain't the life you looking for Search my car, but I don't know what they looking for Secret indictments and I don't know what they took them for I scream mommy in the kitchen, she was cooking raw The trap house at the trap door Packed house, now we coming through the back door It was black tops, rocking the black doors Now we hopping out of traps with the mad doors They don't want what we know out there. You'll never get those on CNBC. But our school system will never tell us that because they're part of the process. Fake money, fake teachers, fake assets. I know the game of the rich. My rich dad taught me, you know it because you're the banker. The bankers and the rich play is different than what they teach you in school. All over the world, what does school teach you about money? And the answer is nothing. And that's not a mistake. That's not an accident. I knew that. Most people know that. The way to keep the poor and middle class working hard is never teach them what the rich know. So if you read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, which came out in 1997, it's what the rich teach their kids about money, the poor and middle class do not. Poverty hurts. I mean, I don't like it. And I don't like that our academic system is so corrupt. You know, we, we know the banking system is corrupt. We know politics is corrupt. But, ac but academics is just as corrupt. I mean, one thing if it's the banking and the politics, but this is where we send our children and we trust them to do the right things for them. And yet they're being not taught something so fundamental. Like you asked your dad when you were a kid. Dad, you asked your teacher, when are you going to teach us about money? And it was just... Never. Oh, never. And they'll never will. You know something. What do you know? Share it. And what is financial education? It's not get a job, work hard, save money, and invest in a well-diversified portfolio of stocks, bonds, mutual funds, and ETFs. The financial industry is two things, debt and taxes. It's 1971, Nixon took the dollar off the gold standard, and the U.S. dollar became debt. And we still tell kids to go to school, get a job, work hard, save money, and get out of debt. Now, who tells them to do that? That's the most ridiculous thing there is. The book starts and it says, lie number one, saving money will make you rich. Yeah, it never will. You well, know that. All taught that as kids. Why would you save it and why would you work for it if they can print it as faster than you can work for it? Why do you keep saving when they're printing it? The rich don't work for money. Don't you touch that stuff. It's very subtle, right? Yep. They don't say, I'm going to train you to be a worker bee the rest of your life, but they educate you in a way where that's what you come out. Right. What else was he, what was he trying to do those first few months where you were working for him? What was he trying to get 
across to you because he taught you the hard way about money. And she says, if you're going to be a successful in your life, you've got to find the best teachers. And a great teacher is somebody who comes from the inside, not the outside. But in school, you don't know if your instructor is for real or not. That's where the fake teacher comes from. I said, I want you to teach me about money. So it was, so why should I teach you? He says, but if I teach you, you work for me for free. And I said, why for free? My dad, my poor dad went nuts. He says, because if I pay you, you think like an employee. Your, brains will, your brain will change. If you learn never to work for money, you'll be a rich man. And this is powerful. Once you give someone a paycheck, their brain turns off. Correct. Because and then the promise of a pension. Right. And job security. Which is kind of a paycheck in disguise. Correct. After you stop working. Give the man a fish, eats for the day, teach him to fish, eats Correct. for a lifetime. And most poor people confuse assets for liabilities. They think their home is an asset, it's actually a liability. Right. An asset is a noun, like a house. Cash flow is a verb. So to understand if it's an asset or liability, it takes a noun plus verb. So if the cash is flowing out of your pocket, it's a liability. If the cash is flowing into your pocket, asset verb, it's an asset. So I own 7,000 rental properties. Those are assets. Every month, the cash flows in. Whereas many people have the big house on the hill and the cash is flowing out. Right. And they're going broke. Right. It's like a frame of mind. The other thing the poor don't understand is the number one expense for most people is taxes. And yet we don't even see it. Isn't that weird? You walk around and you look at the paycheck and say, ah, that doesn't seem right. And you don't realize that the government's got a huge hand in your pocket and you are doing nothing to minimize that. Again, Correct. this is what's very different about the rich and the poor. The rich don't work for money. It's number one expense is tax. See, there's three kinds of income. Earned, portfolio, passive. So earned income is if I get a job, that's earned income. If I'm a doctor or a programmer, that's earned income, because I'm working for it. If I, buy a, if I buy, let's say, Apple for $10, and I send it for 20 that's uh, portfolio income, capital gains. Yeah. But passive income, which is cash flow, is never taxed. And so all these guys are screaming right now in America, taxed or rich, I said, good luck. Because most of the guys complaining, they don't know the three kinds of income. And the rich don't have jobs anyway. They have assets. And so the average schmo out there, a poor guy, you know, sent the kid to school, they don't learn this. You see, very few people will buy what I do, make a million dollars and pay zero tax. And my rich dad taught me that playing Monopoly. That's how it started. You know, four greenhouses, one red hotel. Or the McDonald's formula. I write about it here. McDonald's, Ray Kroc. Yeah. McDonald's is in the real estate business, so they sell hamburgers, but they buy real estate, so they pay no taxes. You know, this guy Bezos, what, he's $16 billion. How much tax do they pay on that $16 billion? Zero. And that's all legal. Anyone can do it. Everybody can do but it. But most people lack the education. So once you learn how to use debt as money, you can never say, I can't afford it because the banks will give you. So the banks, after the crash of 2008, the banks gave me $300 million tax-free. When I asked the average guy, I said, can you, why don't you use debt? They can't even get a loan. Because their scores, their FICO scores, I don't even have them here, are so bad. 
The school teachers will never tell you that because they don't know it. My poor dad never knew that. You don't know if something is an asset or a liability until you can say which way the cash flows. So a house is an asset or a liability. Well, if it's taking money from your pocket, it's a liability. If it's putting money in your pocket, it's an asset. The U.S. government wants me to provide housing, wants me to provide jobs, wants me to borrow money because that's how money is created through debt. I get huge tax breaks. Everybody can do the same thing if they had the financial education to do it. If people understood the tax code, we'd be more prosperous. But can poverty be passed through genetically? Yes. Because it's some type of way of thinking. It's an attitude. An attitude. It's very simple. When, I, when people ask you, how do I stop it? I just say, never say, I can't afford it. Ask yourself, how can I? The reason I have so much money is because I don't say I can't do it. I just go, how can I do it? And I just go and do it. I make a lot of mistakes, but that's how I learn. How can I? The poor people, like my poor dad, always said I can't afford it. You think I'm made of money? I'm a school teacher. I can't do that. And I picked that up. And my rich dad never said those words. So when I meet poor people, they use the words I can't a lot. So the people that say I can't afford it, I can't do this, I can't get to college, the rich are evil, you know, I choose not to participate in that. And that's one thing people could change today, could. right now, is that dialogue in their head. Stop saying the word can't. I can't. Right. So how can I? How can I? Especially as in, I can't afford it, how can I afford that? Right. Because that opens them up to looking at it as an investment to a greater future. Right. You know, when I borrowed $300 million, I couldn't do it when, until I went to ask. And I got turned down so many times. I said, you know, and every time I, I showed the bank of my financials and they go, sorry, I said, look, do me a favor. Why did you turn me down? So you tell me. This is out, the numbers are out here. So if, so if I get these numbers fixed, can I come see you again? He goes, sure. So it's called rejection. You know, same as my wife rejected me for six months. It's just a matter of personal willpower, which is spiritual. Just saying, if they can do it, I can do it. And how can I? How can I? And I think it's you once said, words become flesh. Yep. It was the Bible, too. Intelligence increases through your mistakes, through the ups and downs, through what you've learned. Real estate's real estate. But what I learned made me richer, not the money. <laughs> you don't need money to make money. You know, I think all of us, every human being has that low point in their life. And if they get the message, a new life begins. If they don't get the message, they keep going down. The richer I got was because I didn't need any money. I could use this to make money. But how did I get there is I made a lot of mistakes. People are afraid of making mistakes and all this, fear of failing. It limits them. Nice, nice, so very nice. So many people trapped in the same device. Yeah. Be free. 
You don't run from it. I'll do whatever is needed. I'll put this tongue on it, kiss and rub on it, and lick you until you come from it. And baby, after you come, let's hit the mop. And I don't give a fuck, let's fly it off, huh? Bitch, I got money. with a crime but cannot afford an attorney, the court is required to provide one. In most cases, that person is a so-called public defender. But what if that public defender already has too many clients to serve as competent representation? That's a situation playing out in many states, including Missouri, where public defenders have started refusing cases, throwing a wrench into the machinery of the criminal justice system. John Yang has this story, produced by Frank Carlson and with support from the Pulitzer Center on Crisis Reporting, and it's part of our continuing coverage of broken justice. In December, Ray Shot Ashton was arrested in Platt County, Missouri, charged with resisting arrest and assaulting a police officer. Unable to make bond, he'd already spent four months in jail when his public defender told him that his caseload was so heavy he wouldn't have time to take his case to trial for another six months. Like in, from six months from now, I could have totally repaired all the, the damage that's been done from the four months that I've already been. You know, this is my life right here. Ashton spoke to us from jail. We shouldn't even be here. I mean, there's a room full of 40 guys right now who haven't been sentenced. They're all just waiting on 
the next thing to happen. It's just a waiting game. I'm just sitting here waiting. The Sixth Amendment of the Constitution guarantees every American facing trial the right to a lawyer, even if they cannot afford one. The Supreme Court enshrined that right into law with its landmark 1963 ruling in the case Gideon versus Wainwright. One way society meets that responsibility is with public defenders. But across the country, that system is being stretched to the breaking point, underfunded and overworked. We've created a counterfeit defense, and it's only the illusion of fairness. The public defender's office says it's at a tipping point, and the outlook is not good. We want the state to give them public defenders or to give money to appoint lawyers who can represent them in the way that the Constitution demands. We are dealing with a crisis. Missouri may well be ground zero, the state's public defender system widely seen as nearly broken. The state ranks 49th in per capita spending on indigent defense. Last year, its 320 public defenders handled 80,000 cases, on average more than 240 cases each. Listen to these lawyers in the public defender's office in Jackson County, the state's biggest district, which includes Kansas City. Most days it's overwhelming. Over the next six weeks, I have some very, very serious trials. They deserve a lot more attention than I give them. Mostly all the time. I think I have six murder cases right now. Too many um, for me to be prepared for. But. Pretty much if you ask any lawyer in this office, they'd, they'd say the same thing. Do you feel you're, you're, you're able to give them all the time they deserve? <laughs> uh, I don't know if this is a long answer that you're asking for here. No, is the simple answer. Michael Barrett is head of Missouri's public defender system. Defendants routinely sit in jail uh, for weeks just before they meet their attorney. And we tell them that we are very eager to work on your case. But it's going to be a while because there's an awful lot of people in front of you. In 2016, Barrett convinced the Republican-controlled legislature to spend more money for his office. And when then-Governor Jay Nixon, a Democrat, slashed that increase, Barrett took a bold step. I wanted to bring attention to this matter because so many people were being incarcerated without competent representation. But before I appointed a private lawyer who didn't cause this problem, I thought I'd start with the one person with a law license in the state who could do something to fix it. A bitter budget battle in Missouri going to a new level last week. Missouri Governor Jay Nixon has just been recruited to be a state public defender. And Missouri's lead public defender has ordered Missouri Governor Jay Nixon to represent a poor defendant in court later this month. The court said Barrett didn't have the power to do that, but he had made his point. Now the courts are considering a $20 million class action suit the American Civil Liberties Union filed against the state. The five plaintiffs, all represented in criminal court by public defenders, say their constitutional rights were violated by long delays. Barrett acknowledges that when defenders are handling as many as 200 cases at a time, there's no way they can fulfill their professional and ethical duties to their clients. You have to go visit with your client. You have to look at the charges that your client faces. You have to investigate the case. You have to meet with witnesses. You have to talk to the police officer. You have to file motions. You have to receive the evidence that the prosecution has and then discuss the evidence with your client. To think that you can do each one of those steps in 150 cases is absolutely ridiculous. As a result, defendants like Rayshot Ashton often end up pleading guilty to crimes they say they didn't commit just to get out of jail. 
It's called pleading to daylight. I was in jail four months already, and by the time they came with the deal that was SIS probation, I just took it, pretty much knowing I was not guilty of the charges that were being, being brought about. After resolving those charges with his probation plea, Ashton remains detained, waiting for his public defender to help him address other charges. The issue of overworked public defenders in Missouri has been building for years. Now it's come to a head. Last summer, the Missouri Supreme Court sent shockwaves to the system by sanctioning a public defender for neglecting clients. David Wiegert has been a public defender in Jackson County for six years. I thought that this whole thing is a ticking time bomb for all of us. It is probably due to our clients' inexperience with the system that they don't know how to file proper bar complaints against us. Um, that allows us to keep going with the system in which we don't give them proper service. But if they were ever made aware of the ways in which they can file formal ethical complaints against us, I think that the, the gates are open at that point, uh, and I think we drop like flies. On the day we visited, 16-year defender Laura O'Sullivan was heading to court to tell a judge that, given her workload and ethical responsibilities, she couldn't take on another client. What's the judge's reaction? How do they react to that? Most of the time they're denying uh, our request to decline the cases. I think they don't know what to do. That's because judges themselves are graded on how quickly they move cases, putting public defenders and sitting judges at odds. Some judges and prosecutors say the problem with Missouri public defenders' offices isn't too little money or too few people. They say it's too much mismanagement. You have to do more with less. Dwight Scroggin served as a public defender before becoming the prosecuting attorney in Buchanan County, north of Kansas City, 28 years ago. He puts the blame for delays on the defenders themselves. The public defender's thinking is limited to, we have a lot of cases, we need more money, we need more attorneys. And guess what? They've gotten over the years more money and more attorneys, and what are they saying? You have to start looking somewhere along the line at efficiencies. While it's true that since 1994, funding for the state public defender's office has continued to grow, so is the number of cases the office handles. Which leads to the question, how many cases are too many? Missouri is the epicenter of this whole movement to end this abandonment of the rule of law. Stephen Hanlon is a longtime pro bono attorney who serves as counsel to the National Association for Public Defense. Its members include 16,000 public defenders. By auditing the work of both public and private defense attorneys in Missouri and three other states, he's developed a standard for how many hours should be spent on a case. The results are striking. They're handling three to five times as many cases as they can handle competently. If an obstetrician has three to five times as many cases as he or she can handle competently, terrible things happen. If a public defender with people's liberty at stake has three to five times as many cases as he or she can handle competently, terrible things will happen. He hopes his data will eventually lead to reforms in what he sees as the systematic, unconstitutional, and racist underfunding of indigent defense across the nation. You cannot do mass incarceration hmm, unless the whole justice system 
Bulls open and plays dead. In the meantime, defendants like Rayshon Ashton wait for their day in court. We are your sons, and we are your cousins, and then there's a whole pod, a whole bunch of pods over there that are your daughters and moms. I don't understand how this is continuing to be the case, like over and over again. An all-too-common refrain for those who must rely on public defenders to represent them in court. For the PBS NewsHour, I'm John Yang in Kansas City. Tune in every Sunday from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern on the bottom line with Joey L. On the new Evolution Radio Network. I'm about to read you a passage from the type of person that most black people will probably end up getting to represent them in court. This is a passage from a public defender going by the pen name Michael Smith. And he's about to give his account of how he views black people, his clients. So, side note, this is rather lengthy, but you have to hear the entire thing, so bear with me. I'll also provide a link to the article in the show notes for those who want to read it themselves. So this is titled, The Confessions of a Public Defender, by a guy named Michael Smith. And this was published on May 9th, 2014. So even though this is almost two years old, this is still relevant to this day. All right, it says, I'm a public defender in a large southern metropolitan area. Fewer than 10% of the people in the area I serve are black but over 90% of my clients are black. The remaining 10% are mainly Hispanics, but there are a few whites. I have no explanation for this. I have no explanation for why this is, but crime has racial patterns. Hispanics usually commit two kinds of crimes, sexual assault on children and driving under the influence. Blacks commit many violent crimes, but very few sex crimes. The handful of whites I see commit all kinds of crimes. In my many years as a public defender, I have represented only three Asians and one was half black. As a young lawyer, I believe the official story that blacks are, are law-abiding, intelligent, family-oriented people, but are so poor they must turn to crime to survive. Actual black behavior was a shock to me. The media invariably sugarcoats black behavior. Even the news reports of the very crimes I dealt with in court were slanted. Television news intentionally leaves out unflattering facts about the accused and sometimes omits names that are obviously black. All this rocked my liberal, tolerant beliefs, but it took me years to set aside my illusions and accept the reality of what I see every day. I have now served thousands of blacks and their families, protecting their rights and defending them in court. What follows are my observations. <clears throat> Although blacks are only a small percentage of our community, the courthouse is filled with them. The halls and the gallery benches are overflowing with black defendants, families, and crime victims. 
Most whites with business in court arrive quietly, dress appropriately, and keep their heads down. They get in and get out, if they can, as fast as they can. For blacks, the courthouse is like a carnival. They all seem to know each other. Hundreds and hundreds each day, gossiping, laughing loudly, waving, and crowding the halls. When I am appointed to represent a client, I introduce myself and explain that I am his lawyer. I explain the court process and my role in it, and I ask the client some basic questions about himself. At this stage, I can tell with great accuracy how people will react. Hispanics are extremely polite and deferential, and Hispanic will never call me by my first name and will answer my questions directly and with appropriate respect for my position. Whites are similarly respectful. A black man, <clears throat> a black man will never call me Mr. Smith. I am always Mike. It is not unusual for a 19-year-old black to refer to me as dog. A black may mumble complaints about everything I say and roll his eyes when I politely interrupt so I can continue my explanation. Also, everything I say to blacks must be about the third must be at about the third grade level. If I slip and use adult language, they get angry because they think I'm flaunting my superiority. At the early stages of a case, I explain the process to my clients. I often do not yet have the information in the police reports. Blacks are unable to understand that I do not yet have answers to all of their questions, but that I will by a certain date. They live in the here and the now and are unable to wait for anything. Usually by the second meeting with the client, I have most of the police reports and understand their case. Unlike people of other races, blacks never see their lawyer as someone who was there to help them. I'm a part of the system against which they are waging war. They often explode. They often explode with anger at me and are quick to blame me for anything that goes wrong in their case. Black men often try to trip me up and challenge my knowledge of the law or the facts of the case. I appreciate sincere questions about the elements of the offense of the offense or the sentencing guidelines. But blacks ask questions to test me. Unfortunately, they are almost always wrong in their reading or understanding of the law. And this case can cause excuse me. And this can cause friction. I may repeatedly explain the law and provide copies of the statute showing, for example, why my client must serve six years if convicted. But he continues to believe that a handwritten note from his quote unquote celly is controlling law. I'm assuming celly is referring to cellmate. The risks of trial. <clears throat> the Constitution allows a defendant to make okay i'm still reading guys the constitution allows a defendant to make three crucial decisions in his case he decides whether to plead guilty or not guilty he decides whether to have a bench trial or a jury trial he decides whether he will testify or whether he will remain silent a client who insists on testifying is almost always making a terrible mistake but i cannot stop him most blacks are unable to speak English well. They cannot conjugate verbs. They have a poor grasp of verb tenses. 
They have a limited vocabulary. They cannot speak without swearing. They often become hostile on the stand. Many, when they testify, show a complete lack of empathy and are unable to conceal a morality based on the satisfaction of immediate base needs. This is a uh, this is a disaster, especially in a jury trial. Most jurors are white and are appalled by the demeanor of uneducated criminal blacks. Prosecutors are delighted when a black defendant takes the stand. It is like shooting fish in a barrel. However, the defense usually gets to cross-examine the black victim, who is likely to make just as bad just as bad an impression on the stand as the defendant. This is an invaluable gift to the defense because jurors may not convict a defendant, even if they think he is guilty, if they dislike the victim even more than they dislike the defendant. Most criminal cases do not go to trial. Often the evidence against the accused is overwhelming and the chances of conviction are high. The defendant is better off with a plea bargain, pleading guilty to a lesser charge and getting a lighter sentence. The decision to plead to a lesser charge turns on the strength of the evidence. When blacks ask the ultimate question, will we win at trial? I tell them I cannot know, but I then describe the strengths and weaknesses of our case. The weaknesses are usually obvious. There are five eyewitnesses against you, or you made a confession to both the detective and your grandmother. They found you in possession of a pink cell phone with a case that has rhinestones spelling the name of the victim of the robbery. There is a video of the murderer wearing the same shirt you were wearing when you were arrested, which has the words, quote unquote, in the house on the back. Not to mention you have the same R.I.P. Pookie 7412 tattoo on your neck as the man in the video, etc. If if you tell a black man that the that the evidence is very harmful to his case, he will blame you. Quote, you ain't working for me. It's like you working with the state. Now, he uh, spells that out in Ebonics. You guys go check that out. But uh, back to the uh, letter. Every public defendant, every public defender hears this. The more you try to explain the evidence to a black man, the angrier he gets. It is my firm belief that many blacks are unable to discuss the evidence against them rationally because they cannot view things from the perspective of others. They simply cannot understand how the facts in the case will appear to a jury. This inability to see things from someone else's perspective helps explain why there are so many black criminals. They do not understand the pain they are inflicting on others. One of my robbery clients is a good example. He and two co-defendants walked into a small store run by two young women. All three men were wearing masks. They drew they drew handguns and ordered the women into the back room. One man beat a girl with his gun. The second man stood over the second girl while the third man emptied the cash register. All of this was on video. My client was the one who beat the girl. When he asked me, what, what are our chances at trial? I said, not so good. He immediately got angry, raised his voice, and accused me of working with the prosecution. I asked him how he thought a jury would react to the video. Quote, they don't care, he said. I told him the jury would probably feel deeply sympathetic towards these two women and would be angry at him because because of how we treated them. 
I asked him whether he felt bad for the women he had beaten and terrorized. He told me what I suspected, what too many blacks say about the suffering of others. Quote, what do I care? She ain't me. She ain't Ken. Don't even know her. No fathers. As a public defender, I've learned many things about people. One is that defendants do not have fathers. If a black even knows the name of his father, he knows of him only as a shadowy person with whom he has absolutely no ties. When a client is sentenced, I often beg for mercy on the grounds of the, of the of that defendant. Excuse me. When a client is sentenced, I often beg for mercy on the grounds that the defendant did not have a father and never had a chance in life. I have often tracked down the, fa the man's father in jail and have brought him to the sentencing hearing to testify that he never knew his son and never lifted a finger to help him. Often, this is the first time my client has ever met his father. These meetings are utterly unemotional. Many black defendants don't even have mothers who care about them. Many are raised by grandmothers after the state removes the children from an incompetent teenaged mother. Many of these mothers and grandmothers are mentally unstable and are completely disconnected from the realities they face in court and in life. A 47-year-old grandmother will deny that her grandson has gang ties, even though his forehead is tattooed with a gang sign or slogan. When I point this out, in as kind and understanding way as I can, she screams at me. When black women start screaming, they invoke the name of Jesus and shout swear words in the same breath. Hmm. I'm, um, I'm kind of tempted to believe that paragraph somewhat. Black women. Black women have great faith in God, but they have a twisted understanding of his role, his meaning God. They do not pray for strength or courage. They pray for results, the satisfaction of immediate needs. One of my clients was a black woman who prayed in a circle with her accomplices for God's protection from the police before they would set out to commit a robbery. The mothers and grandmothers pray in the hallways, not for justice, but for acquittal. When I explain that the evidence that their beloved child murdered the shopkeeper is overwhelming and that he should accept the very fair plea bargain I have negotiated, they will tell me that he is going to trial and will ride with the Lord. They tell me they speak to God every day and he assures them that the young man will be acquitted. The mothers and grandmothers do not seem to be able to imagine and understand the consequences of going to trial and losing some. And this is a shocking reality. It took me a long time to grasp. Some don't care. Some, excuse me. Some don't really care what actually happens to the client, but want to make it look as though they care. This means pounding their chest in righteous indignation and insisting on going to trial despite terrible evidence. They refuse to listen to the one person, me, who has the knowledge to make the best recommendation. These people soon lose interest in the case and stop showing up after about the third or fourth court date. It is then easier for me to convince the client to act on his own best interests and accept a plea agreement. Part of the problem is that 
underclass black women begin having babies at age 15. They continue to have babies with different black men until they until they have had five or six. These women do not go to school. They do not work. They are not ashamed to live on public money. They plan their entire lives around the expectation that they will always get free money and never have to work. I do not see these things among whites, Hispanics, or other people. The black men who become my clients also do not work. They get Social Security disability payments for a mental defect or for a vague and invisible physical ailment. They do not pay for anything, not for housing. Grandma lives on welfare and he lives with her, not for food. Grandma and the baby mama share with him and not for child support. When I learn when I learned that my 19 year old defendant does not work or go to school, I ask, what do you do all day? He smiles, you know, just chill. These men live in a culture with no expectations, no demands and no shame. If you tell a black to dress properly for trial and don't give specific instructions, he will arrive in wildly inappropriate clothes. I represented a woman who was on trial for drugs. She wore a baseball cap with a marijuana leaf embroidered on it. I represented a man who wore a shirt that read rules are for suckers to his probation hearing. Our office provides suits, shirts, ties, and dresses for clients to wear for jury trials. Often it takes a whole team of lawyers to persuade a black to wear a shirt and tie instead of gang colors. From time to time, the media reports that although blacks are 12% of the population, they are 40% of the prison population. This is supposed to be an outrage that results from unfair treatment by the criminal justice system. What the media only what the media only hints at is another staggering reality, recidivism. Black men are arrested and convicted over and over. It is typical for a black man to have five felony convictions by the age of 30. This kind of record is rare amongst whites and Hispanics and probably even rare amongst Asians. At one time, our office was looking for a model that defined our philosophy. Someone joked that it should be, doesn't everyone deserve an 11th chance? I am a liberal. I believe that those of us who are able to produce abundance have a moral duty to provide basic food, shelter, and medical care for those who cannot care for themselves. I believe we have this duty even to those who can care for themselves but don't. This worldview requires compassion and a willingness to act on it. My experience has taught me that we live in a nation in which a jury is more likely to convict a black defendant who has committed a crime against the white. Even the dullest of blacks know this. There will be a lot more black on white crime if this were not the case. However, my experience has also taught me that blacks are different by almost any measure to all other people. They cannot reason as well. They cannot communicate as well. They cannot control their impulses as well. They are a threat to all who cross their paths, black and non-black alike. I do not know the solution to this problem. I do know that it is wrong to deceive the public. 
Whatever solutions we seek should be based on the truth rather than what we would prefer was the truth. As for myself, I will continue to do my duty to protect the rights of all who need me. And that was from a public defender by the name of Michael Smith. Michael Smith is his pen name. If you go visit this. Tune in every Sunday from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern on the bottom line with Joey L. On the new Evolution Radio Network. Designed to be a perfect human world where none suffered, where everyone would be happy. And it was a disaster. No one would accept the program, entire crops were lost. Some believed that we lacked the programming language to describe your perfect world, but I believe that as a species, human beings define their reality through misery and suffering. The perfect world was a dream that your primitive cerebrum kept trying to wake up from. Which is why the Matrix was redesigned to this, the peak of your civilization. And I say your civilization because as soon as we started thinking for you, it really became our civilization, which is, of course, what this is all about. Evolution, Morpheus evolution like the dinosaur look out that window you had your time the future is our world Morpheus the future is our time I'd like to share a revelation that I've had during my time here it came to me when I tried to classify your species I realized that you're not actually mammals. Every mammal on this planet instinctively develops a natural equilibrium with the surrounding environment, but you humans do not. You move to an area and you multiply and multiply until every natural resource is consumed. And the only way you can survive is to spread to another area. There is another organism on this planet that follows the same pattern. Do you know what it is? A virus. Human beings are a disease, a cancer of this planet. You are a plague, and we are the cure. Can you hear me, Morpheus? I'm going to be honest with you. I hate this place, this zoo, this prison, this reality, whatever you want to call it. I can't stand it any longer. It's the smell. 
that there is such a thing. I feel saturated by it. I can taste your stink. Every time I do, I fear that I have somehow been infected by it. It's repulsive. Isn't it? I must get out of here. I must get free. And in this mind is the key. My key. There are people that's awake. And there's people asleep. Now, most people on this planet are asleep. So, let's break it to the least common denominator. Let's say the black community. We, it used to they say 5%. (laughs) No, it's like old point something now. That's right. You see, that's asleep. So you're going to be lonely because the simple fact that people are asleep. Now, how is this? You have a chakra system in your body. And these are nine wheels of consciousness. Most, uh, excuse me, seven wheels of consciousness. There's like 160 chakras, but seven major chakras, just like there's seven African powers. Now, what has happened here to give you a scientific element of what's going on so you can clear this up so you don't have to go and be trying to holler at somebody and they laugh at you and they don't want to hear that shit. Because your family will beat you down and niggas in the street will beat you down. You're going to try to give them a message. Now, had you around here crazy. Now, the chakra system, the lower chakra is your sacral vertebrae. That's your root chakra. And that's where the majority of the people's um, consciousness is, on the root chakra. So the only thing that they can get down with is desires. What feels good, what tastes good, what smells good, what looks good, what sounds good. Yes. You see, the, the basic sen- uh, senses, you see, on that particular level, they are called the automatons, which means automation. Okay. They moving, but they ain't, they're brain dead. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? Now, you don't even get into this particular consciousness that you can partake to understand what things is until you're radiating from the heart chakra. Mm-hmm. You see, the heart chakra. That's why the Egyptian, the heart, the scarab, the heart scarab was the most important. Even when you died, they'd throw the brain away. But it was the heart that they preserved. So that's another, that's where your true self is. But you got to radiate from the heart chakra and then you elevate on into the pineal gland. But most people's consciousness is in the root chakra. On the five senses, the animal level. Make it look pretty. They have a PhD with a degree. They tell you it's only a degree of information. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. You know, uh, a degree of information, it has nothing to do with a person's behavior. Mm. Whether they're conscious or not. You see, it has nothing to do with what a person wears. It has something to do is where they incarnated down here on a certain level and they are radiating above the root shock. And I guarantee you this right now. Even if some of you all just coming into consciousness the last couple of weeks or the last year, I guarantee you, you always felt special since you was a baby. 
Now, I've been asking that question in my lectures around the country for, 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 for 16 years. And I asked everybody, how many of you all always thought that you were special? And the whole room always raised their hand. You didn't know what it was. You see what I'm saying? But you thought it was special. And you always had a thirst for something that you didn't know what it was. And it was this model. Let me give you an example. When I was, on, when I was in college, I was standing up one time. I had finished school. And I was standing um, on the college campus with one of the coaches. We got to be good friends, one of the basketball coaches, Coach Holmes. He said, well, how do you, how do you feel, man? You, you've educ- you educated yourself. I said, man, I don't feel shit. <laughs> I didn't know at the time. I said, I told him, I said, I thought when I came here to this university that when I left, I was going to have some kind of knowledge. I didn't know what the knowledge was. All I know is what I went, I went through for four years, I didn't have shit. I, I knew I felt empty. Now it was it was you know it was a couple of years later that what I was missing I realized was knowledge. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But I, I but but I knew something was wrong. You see, and that's what it is. You you always thought that you was you, you that, that something was missing, and that's why it's actually because you were, you, you were gravitating above the root shop. Don't even think about changing the station. You're listening to The Bottom Line with your host, Joey L. All right, all right, all right. What up, what up? Peace to the gods. Welcome to the show. We're here tonight. Uh, we're wide open. 347-989-0194. You want to get in holler at me. All right. Uh, welcome to the show. You're sitting right here on The Bottom Line, right here on the Revolution Radio Network. I'm your host, Joey Bounce, L. Bay. Tonight, we're going to go into this whole public defender thing. You know, a lot of people, you know, when I catch a case, you know, weigh the options. Do I take a public defender? Do I defend myself? Do I get an attorney? We're going to talk about that tonight, right? You know, obviously over here and on Jonah Bay Radio, what we deal with, is teaching you the science behind defending yourself. You know, I've been playing some clips tonight that came in a little late on purpose because I wanted y'all to hear, number one, what public defenders have to say about people of color and how y'all represent yourselves in the court. Okay, number one. And number two, you needed to hear how the justice system is as if, as if you don't already know. Right? As if we don't already know that niggas are sitting down and haven't even had trials. Right? So I'm going to play that clip again. And we're going to go into this information tonight. Uh, welcome to the show, by the way. The chat is open. The car lines are wide open. All right, we're going to be in Atlanta on the 7th of December. So you can register at makemorecommerce.com. Shout out to everybody that was in Texas this weekend with my man Jonah Bay. Alright, I heard that was a really good seminar Good successful turnout So peace to the guys and, uh, Definitely make sure you're going to make more commerce So you can get on this next seminar that we have Alright, because we're going to be going in On credit and commerce now, Which really, to be honest If we're learning commerce This is the shit that keeps us out of 
these people's sister. Go get your commerce up. Learn how to be independent. Come up out of this shit. Alright, so tonight we're gonna go into this shit. Alright, I got a nice little article on the read. Alright, but I'm gonna play this clip again. Real short clip. Alright. And we'll be right back after this. I know this is not a recording. We'll be right back. But first, when someone is charged with a crime but cannot afford an attorney, the court is required to provide one. In most cases, that person is a so-called public defender. But what if that public defender already has too many clients to serve as competent representation? That's a situation playing out in many states, including Missouri, where public defenders have started refusing cases, throwing a wrench into the machinery of the criminal justice system. John Yang has this story, produced by Frank Carlson and with support from the Pulitzer Center on Crisis Reporting, and it's part of our continuing coverage of broken justice. In December, Ray Shot Ashton was arrested in Platt County, Missouri, charged with resisting arrest and assaulting a police officer. Unable to make bond, he'd already spent four months in jail when his public defender told him that his caseload was so heavy he wouldn't have time to take his case to trial for another six months. It's like in, from six months from now, I could have totally repaired all the the damage that's been done from the four months that I've already been. You know, this is my life right here. Ashton spoke to us from jail. We shouldn't even be here. I mean, there's a room full of 40 guys right now who haven't been sentenced. They're all just waiting on the next thing to happen. It's just a waiting game. I'm just sitting here waiting. The Sixth Amendment of the Constitution guarantees every American facing trial the right to a lawyer, even if they cannot afford one. The Supreme Court enshrined that right into law with its landmark 1963 ruling in the case Gideon versus Wainwright. One way society meets that responsibility is with public defenders. But across the country, that system is being stretched to the breaking point, underfunded and overworked. We've created a counterfeit defense, and it's only the illusion of fairness. The public defender's office says it's at a tipping point, and the outlook is not good. We want the state to give them public defenders or to give money to appoint lawyers who can represent them in the way that the Constitution demands. We are dealing with a crisis. Missouri may well be ground zero, the state's public defender system widely seen as nearly broken. The state ranks 49th in per capita spending on indigent defense. Last year, its 320 public defenders handled 80,000 cases, on average more than 240 cases each. Listen to these lawyers in the public defender's office in Jackson County, the state's biggest district, which includes Kansas City. Most days it's overwhelming. Over the next six weeks, I have some very, very serious trials. They deserve a lot more attention than I give them. Mostly all the time. I think I have six murder cases right now. Too many um, for me to be prepared for. Really. Pretty much if you ask any lawyer in this office, they'd, they'd say the same thing. Do you feel you're, you're, you're able to give them all the time they deserve? <laughs> uh, I don't know if this is a long answer that you're asking for here. No, is the simple answer. Michael Barrett is head of Missouri's public defender system. Defendants routinely sit in jail uh, for weeks just before they meet their attorney. And we tell them that we are very eager to work on your case. But it's going to be a while because there's an awful lot of people in front of you. 
In 2016, Barrett convinced the Republican-controlled legislature to spend more money for his office. And when then-Governor Jay Nixon, a Democrat, slashed that increase, Barrett took a bold step. I wanted to bring attention to this matter because so many people were being incarcerated without competent representation. But before I appointed a private lawyer who didn't cause this problem, I thought I'd start with the one person with a law license in the state who could do something to fix it. A bitter budget battle in Missouri going to a new level last week. Missouri Governor Jay Nixon has just been recruited to be a state public defender. And Missouri's lead public defender has ordered Missouri Governor Jay Nixon to represent a poor defendant in court later this month. The court said Barrett didn't have the power to do that, but he had made his point. Now the courts are considering a $20 million class action suit the American Civil Liberties Union filed against the state. The five plaintiffs, all represented in criminal court by public defenders, say their constitutional rights were violated by long delays. Barrett acknowledges that when defenders are handling as many as 200 cases at a time, there's no way they can fulfill their professional and ethical duties to their clients. You have to go visit with your client. You have to look at the charges that your client faces. You have to investigate the case. You have to meet with witnesses. You have to talk to the police officer. You have to file motions. You have to receive the evidence that the prosecution has and then discuss the evidence with your client. To think that you can do each one of those steps in 150 cases is absolutely ridiculous. As a result, defendants like Rayshot Ashton often end up pleading guilty to crimes they say they didn't commit just to get out of jail. It's called pleading to daylight. Hey, I was in jail four months already, and by the time they came with the deal that was anti-science probation, I just took it, pretty much knowing I was not guilty of the charges that were being, being brought about. After resolving those charges with his probation plea, Ashton remains detained, waiting for his public defender to help him address other charges. The issue of overworked public defenders in Missouri has been building for years. Now it's come to a head. Last summer, the Missouri Supreme Court sent shockwaves to the system by sanctioning a public defender for neglecting clients. David Wiegert has been a public defender in Jackson County for six years. I thought that this whole thing is a ticking time bomb for all of us. It is probably due to our clients' inexperience with the system that they don't know how to file proper bar complaints against us. Um, that allows us to keep going with the system in which we don't give them proper service. But if they were ever made aware of the ways in which they can file formal ethical complaints against us, I think that the, the gates are open at that point, uh, and I think we drop like flies. On the day we visited, 16-year defender Laura O'Sullivan was heading to court to tell a judge that, given her workload and ethical responsibilities, she couldn't take on another client. What's the judge's reaction? How do they react to that? Most of the time they're denying uh, our request to decline the cases. I think they don't know what to do. That's because judges themselves are graded on how quickly they move cases, putting public defenders and sitting judges at odds. Some judges and prosecutors say the problem with Missouri public defenders' offices isn't too little money or too few people. They say it's too much mismanagement. You have to do more with less. Dwight Scroggins served as a public defender before becoming the prosecuting attorney in Buchanan County, north of Kansas City, 28 years ago. He puts the blame for delays on the defenders themselves. The public defender's thinking is limited to 
we have a lot of cases, we need more money, we need more attorneys. And guess what? They've gotten over the years more money and more attorneys, and what are they saying? You have to start looking somewhere along the line at efficiencies. While it's true that since 1994, funding for the state public defender's office has continued to grow, so is the number of cases the office handles. Which leads to the question, how many cases are too many? Missouri is the epicenter of this whole movement to end this abandonment of the rule of law. Stephen Hanlon is a longtime pro bono attorney who serves as counsel to the National Association for Public Defense. Its members include 16,000 public defenders. By auditing the work of both public and private defense attorneys in Missouri and three other states, he's developed a standard for how many hours should be spent on a case. The results are striking. They're handling three to five times as many cases as they can handle competently. If an obstetrician has three to five times as many cases as he or she can handle competently, terrible things happen. If a public defender with people's liberty at stake has three to five times as many cases as he or she can handle competently, terrible things will happen. He hopes his data will eventually lead to reforms in what he sees as the systematic, unconstitutional, and racist underfunding of indigent defense across the nation. You cannot do mass incarceration unless the whole justice system rolls over and plays dead. In the meantime, defendants like Rayshad Ashton wait for their day in court. We're your sons, and we are your cousins, and then there's a whole pod, a whole bunch of pods over there that are your daughters and moms. I don't understand how this is continuing to be the case, like over and over again. An all-too-common refrain for those who must rely on public defenders to represent them in court. For the PBS NewsHour, I'm John Yang in Kansas City. Tune in every Sunday from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern on the bottom line with Joey L. On the new Evolution Radio Network. All right, peace to the God. So we heard it right there, right? Using a public defender. Don't do you no good. What good is a public defender do? Now I'm going to read a few things to y'all tonight so we can get to the bottom line. All right, I'm going to read an article to you that was written recently. It says that the Missouri judge says represent yourself in court or plead guilty to save time. It says if they are a person facing the possibility of losing their freedom has the right to an attorney. We know when you use an attorney, you automatically, you know, you know, depending on what your situation is, especially if it's criminal, you, you know, you automatically are looking at a plea bargain. Right now, it says that in Phelps County, Missouri, Judge Beggar pushed aside that idea, writing that people charged with some felonies could represent themselves to make things easier for public defenders. He stated in a matter of fact tone handed down from the bench in Rolla last year that suggestion came forth on page of an order 
responding to the public defenders, raising an alarm that the state was selling its poorest and most vulnerable citizens. Now, we know that these are your Moors, your Mestizos, your Latinos, right? Some Asians, and some white. Or Caucasians. Whatever you want to call it. Now, there are various nationalities who go under these systems, you know, who have so-called public defenders who are waiting, as we see. Now, many of you have used public defenders before. Many of you have taken public defenders. And where did it get you? Now, the judge also said that beggar, the judge, it said is allowing people to proceed without an attorney. And this could be highly effective in resolving cases. If they are saying, yeah, you got me, I did what I was accused of, a lot of them can do that. So I guess if you just admit that, then you would automatically be taking a guilty plea. The idea, almost unheard of in the United States, throws people's constitutional guarantees out the window. It's sad to say a lot of them are not new to the criminal justice system. Baker says he tries to do justice in every case. Now, the Sixth Amendment, right to counsel, is not the suggestion of or an idea. It's a right. So, Check this right. You know, we learned this early on. If you're going to have counsel or counsel, your choice, you really should know what you're coming into court on. So if you're going to have counsel, who's your counsel? You, do you have private counsel or do you have counsel? Those words are very similar, I know. Right? Now, the Sixth Amendment likes to counsel. It's not a suggestion or an idea. It's a right. Now, suggesting, 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 that one way of alleviating the caseload is to have people not have their lawyers. Now, check this out. If a judge is telling you you don't need a lawyer, why do you have an attorney? Why are you going for a public defender? Baker's order is just one example of how judges in rural Missouri and across the state have responded to a public defender system. You heard the guy say, if people knew how to sue us, we would drop like flies. So not only would the public defender drop like flies, but the prosecutors would too, because everybody's violating their rights. Nobody's following the Constitution. Now, people faced with the court that don't care if they have a defense and who will find the public defenders unhelpful sometimes come to the conclusion that the judges, prosecutors, and so-called, quote, public pretenders are all in cahoots against them. Others wind up agreeing that they might as well go at it alone. 
Now, where Missouri's courts defendants do insist on having an attorney, judges have resorted to putting thousands of them on wait lists and many wait in jail. So, let, let me be clear on this. There was just an article that came out Thursday in the paper here. Okay. And there are people sitting in jail for up to five years who have not seen a courtroom. We're going to get to that in a second. Because, I mean, that alone is unconstitutional. Okay, now, a pro se docket where people could represent themselves had proved highly effective to reduce public defenders' caseloads, the judge wrote. And at 9 a.m. docket, a judge would announce that those charged with misdemeanors had the opportunity to talk to the prosecutor to see if they could resolve the case. The stakes were high for those non-lawyers. Misdemeanors come with jail term up to a year, and felonies are worse. So being that in itself was an extraordinary legal expert, told the Kansas City Star that only a few of any courts elsewhere in the country invited people to proceed without a lawyer when their freedom was on the line. I mean, this is this is a pretty clear message to anybody who's listening. So, a judge is telling you you should defend yourself. You really shouldn't get a public defender. This is a judge telling you. Now, Adam Woody, president of the Missouri Association of Criminal Defense Lawyers, said. The neglect of the public defender system was a crisis. The fact that they are essentially losing constitutional rights, that's something that we should all stand against. To act as your own lawyer in a felony case, as Berger suggested, is even more extreme, but there is no such thing as a low-level felony. A felony can mean going to prison. People convicted of felonies face barriers in housing and jobs and will be prohibited from carrying firearms for the rest of their lives. Drug charges, which is another type of case, where the judge suggests that people represent themselves, can block people from qualifying for student loans. Now, that's a whole other issue that people have. You become a felon, you can't even go get no money. Then you really don't need to Over, 
I mean, they give you an option. What you going to do? Defend yourself or roll over? Now, Kenneth Henderson wanted depositions taken in his case. He and his wife had fallen on hard times when they came to Robin. The couple married 22 years with four children and were homeless. Henderson said that they didn't steal anything, but prosecutors charged them with felonies. But Henderson and his wife had the legal defense was essential. They didn't want to be convicted of burglary. In their view, they were not guilty of anything, but they were trespassers. Just like a misdemeanor, right? Now, they would not simply give away their chance to be represented by a lawyer or voluntarily agree to not have evidence collected in their case. Henderson looked into hiring a private defense attorney, but he couldn't afford it. It was three grand. So he ended up with a public defender, right? Which we all know that's pretty ineffective. So Henderson's public defender told him that she didn't have time. In fact, the judge, despite the suggestion that defendants should take fewer depositions, uh, it only happened in 3% of the public defender's case. So the judge basically, and he actually was the judge on this guy's case. Now, Henderson ultimately pleaded guilty to possessing drugs when he was arrested, uh, and he served in jail for 120 days. Uh, and he took a public defender. They didn't even try to represent himself. Now, elsewhere in Missouri, judges have turned to other solutions to try to make sure defendants get a lawyer who can represent themselves effectively. This means that local defenders' offices can stop assisting new clients to attorneys who are at capacity. So, these people are at capacity. They can't take your case. Either you're sitting in jail or you're waiting for them to help you. Right? And they're not going to help you. So, now we're at the point where and I'm going to be honest, even giving them your paperwork to put in, sometimes they're not going to do it. Unless you got one that's just really down for the cause. And most times, they're not. Because they don't work for you. Remember, they work for the state. That's who cuts their check. Why do you think they give them something? Now, your right to represent yourself is a right. Okay? Defendants cannot represent themselves unless a judge determines that you can do so, right? And most of y'all have been through this. They call this shit a Ferretti hearing, okay? Now, Ferretti hearings, if you've never been through a Ferretti hearing, right, is when you sit up in there and the judge says, well, sir, are you competent enough? Are you, you know, do you know what you're doing? Do you, do you understand the laws? Blah, 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 blah. And then once they understand that, yeah, I'm competent. I can handle my own commercial affairs. I'm good. Let me handle this. And let you rock, right? But Ferretta was a case that happened in California. Now, Ferretta versus California happened in 1975, right? And the defendant, his name was Anthony Ferretta. He was accused of grand theft in L.A. County, Los Angeles, uh, well before the trial began. Defendant requested permission to represent himself. Question by the judge revealed that he had previously represented represented himself in a criminal case. Right? So, you know, basically he had already set a precedent for himself. Okay? So, he believed that the public defender's office was under a heavy caseload. So, he was like, yo, I should be able to represent myself. Then the judge warned that he was making a mistake 
emphasize that he would receive no special treatment. I've heard that before. Matter of fact, it's a scare tactic. Now, the judge entered a preliminary ruling allowing Ferretta to represent himself. However, stating that he might reverse his decision if it seemed that he was unable to adequately represent himself. Several weeks later, before the trial, the judge initiated a hearing to inquire into Ferretta's ability to defend himself. This is where you get the whole Ferretta hearing from. This is why I always tell y'all they create a precedent in cases, right? They go back and, and what they do is they create their own fucking case law. This is why it's so important for you to use the Constitution. Because they created their own law off of what other judges have done. Now, the judge warned that if he was making a mistake and emphasized that he would receive no special treatment, he entered a preliminary ruling, which would allow for Ferretta to represent himself. However, stating that he might reverse his decision, right? Now, a couple weeks later, right, Ferretta starts bringing up all these topics, right, including hearsay and jury. The judge ruled that his answers were inadequate and he had not made an intelligent decision to waive his counsel. Now, in addition, he ruled that Ferretta had no constitutional right in his own defense. Therefore, he rescinded his previous decision, and during the trial, the judge denied Ferretta's motion to be co-counsel. Okay, and other motions he attempted to make the judge, excuse me, to make stuff on his behalf. So subsequently, he was convicted by a jury and then he was to life in prison. Now, you know they just didn't take that right. I mean, life in prison, that's a that's a whole other thing. Who's gonna give me life in prison? Well <laughs> you're gonna give me life in prison, bro, we gotta fight that. Okay, so they took it to the next level. So in the opinion of the court, they took it to the Supreme Court. Justice Stewart, the court held its defendant in a state criminal trial had a constitutional right to refuse appointed counsel and conduct. The trial when he or she voluntarily and intelligently elects to do so. So let me let me just make this real quick, right? Anytime you go into court and you're standing there in front of a judge and they put you through a Ferretta hearing. If you're constitutionally right, on your square, you got your constitution with you, a copy of it. You got you a copy of uh, Trinity versus Pagliaro. You got you a copy of your 5.1. Everything to represent yourself. Then you won't have a problem with a Ferretta hearing. And I bring this up tonight because if we're dealing with public defenders, sometimes they try to force you to have a public defender. Now, this is becoming a serious problem because a lot of people are sitting in jail. They're waiting to get out of jail. They don't know how to defend themselves. And they can't pass the Ferretta here. Now, a Ferretta hearing has certain standards. Now, a judge will try to tell you, well, sir, you have to be intelligent enough to know the law. Well, let's be clear here. If you know that the law is not statutes, codes, 
and ordinances, then you know that it's the Constitution. So then we know that what we're dealing with is supreme law. So you can't tell me that I can't represent myself. In fact, they would actually rather you do that. Please, sir, please come in here and represent yourself. Okay, so now, in the opinion of the court, they told him that his constitutional right to refuse appointed counsel was a Sixth Amendment right. Okay, now, there's a dissenting opinion. Okay, you have a guy named Justice Black. And he said that he questioned the additional procedural problems that would inevitably arise by the decision, arguing that such procedural problems would far outweigh whatever tactical advantages the defendant may feel he has gained by electing to represent himself. Now, he also said there's an old proverb. If there is any truth to the old proverb, one who is his own lawyer has a fool for a client, the court by its own opinion today now bestows a constitutional right on one to make a fool of himself. So they want you to go in there and not know what the fuck you're talking about. They want you to come into the court and not have your constitutional armor on. Okay? But it was just constitutional right, so they overturned the decision in the Feretta hearing. And they basically told him, look, you can represent yourself. Go ahead. Okay, we'll have to do a whole show on it. That's a very long case. Okay, now, when you go into court, okay, Feretta established this whole thing of pro se versus pro per. Okay, now, judges and lawyers typically refer to defendants who represent themselves with the terms pro se or pro per. The latter being taken in proper persona, both pro se and pro per, which comes from Latin and essentially meaning for one's own person. Okay. Now, to determine the competency of a person that goes in front of the judge, the judge weighs the factors such as how old are you, your, your education. This is where they try to see if you're a citizen and all that, right? Um, do you know English? Right, because you heard the guy earlier, he said most of us don't even know how to write. Okay? The seriousness of the crime. Most people don't take it serious. So if you're going to go in and you're going to defend yourself, you have to be armed to the teeth with the information. Okay? Now, let me share something else with you. Now, the Sixth Amendment guarantees the criminal defendant's right to legal counsel or counsel. And given the complexity of the criminal process, it's usually a good idea to have legal representation. But criminal defendants have the option of waiving the right to an attorney and conducting their own defense. Now, when a defendant decides to take on the prosecution, Without the assistance of a lawyer, it's usually called pro per or pro se. You see? Now, in 1975, 
the U.S. Supreme Court held that the criminal defendants have a constitutional right to represent themselves in the Ferretta versus California, 422-806. Now, in Ferretta, the court found that the Sixth Amendment not only provides the right to counsel in one's defense, it implicitly protects the defendant's right to control and present his own or her own defense. The court explained that the right to defend is given directly to the accused, for it is he who suffers the consequence if the defense fails. Okay. Now, the right to self-representation, however, is not absolute. To exercise this right, the defendant must knowingly and intelligently waive the right to counsel and be able to abide by courtroom rules and procedures. Okay. Now, the question that I ask y'all is, do you know what the rules and procedures are? See, those are different than the statutes, the codes, and the ordinances. The rules and the procedures of those courts typically don't change. Typically, they don't. Now, let me just show you something. I'm going to read a definition to you, okay? I'm going to give you a legal definition for a second. Right. Now, the definition of policies and procedures by law is a set of different rules or guidelines which are created by an organization, a government, in order to achieve long-term set of goals. They don't change the rules of procedures. Why? They change the statutes and codes of ordinances. Why? Because the rules and procedures are enshrined under the Constitution. Because they take oaths. Right? These people are public officials. So when you decide to represent yourself as pro se, pro per, or any of these, you're doing exactly what they, they really need you to do right especially for a lot of the brothers and sisters who's sitting down right now look what he said he said if you if you in jail already the best thing he said that you can do is plead guilty go ahead and take a plea deal go on to other than that you got to sit there and wait now how fucked up is that who wants to sit there and wait? Now, under the Constitution, right, you have a right to represent yourself. Now, let me just pull that up for y'all real quick. And then we're going to go to the call box. All right. Yeah. All right, here we go. The Sixth Amendment guarantees the right of criminal defendants including the right to a public trial without unnecessary delay, the right to a lawyer, the right to an impartial jury, the right to know who your accusers are, and the nature of the charges and evidence against you. It has been most visibly tested in a series of cases involving terrorism, but much more often figures in cases that involve, for example, jury selection or the protection of witnesses including victims of sex crimes as well as witnesses in need of protection from retaliation. Now, the Sixth Amendment guarantees your right 
through a speedy trial. How many people have been waiting on trial for longer than a year? Do you know I actually got somebody else in the case? In Florida. For that very problem. Home time ago. Right? Got a homeboy down there. Right? My man Felicia got off on case down there. A few people, right? Now check this out. It's enshrined in the Constitution, in all of the Constitutions. Doesn't really matter what state you're in, but it's up to you to go find it. Now, let me see if I can just pull it up for you real quick, though. Okay. I'm going to pull it up for y'all. In my state, give you an example. Now, in Missouri, because it's like in any state, Missouri, Kansas, Ohio, Arkansas, Nevada, it don't matter what state you're in. Right? You have the right to defend yourself. Right? And all you have to do is get a copy of your constitution. And what you need to do is put a certified copy in it and make them take judicial notice of that. If you need to, put in an affidavit. Affidavit of competency. Because right, I know that question was going to come. All right, now I can't find it. That's all right. So we're going to go to the call line, though, because I know we got a lot of people out there tonight. We'll see what's happening. What's going on? 313 light area. What's up? If I put a 12 lights in, in an area, four lights, it'd be 4, 4, three. and 4. Two, four, one, three. Four, four, I do a 6 light. We're going to keep it moving. He ain't on. 704-258, what up? Yeah, I hear you. You was able to hear Hello? me before? 
Nah, I ain't hear you before I was in the train. <laughs> can, can you hear me right now? Yeah, I hear you right now. I don't even hear myself oh, okay. on, the, on the radio though. Man, I don't know what's going on with with, y'all, with the mics tonight. Okay, somebody said I'm good. All right, I guess I'm good then. All right, what's the word? Peace to God. Peace to God. First and foremost, before I go into um, what you were building on, I wanted to uh, I wanted to know when you was uh gonna be able to send me the child support zone. I had ordered on on the tenth. Ah. We're going to be sending all that stuff out tonight, bro. We gotta all right, good luck, good luck, good luck. Mm-hmm. I've been a little off the map, man. I had a little family issue and some stuff going on, so I've been a little off the map, but we're going to get everything out. Don't need trouble. Oh, that's cool, man. That's cool, that's cool. You know, we all got a life, you know. You know what I'm saying? We got to take care of business on this. No, shit. no, it's just, you know, what we're working on right now is I'm actually trying to get all the products converted over uh, digitally, man. So where people could just actually, when you when you make a purchase, you can just automatically do the download. So it's taking me a minute because I gotta actually physically send it to everybody who, you know, when you order something. So, you know, just be patient with me. Right. I got you. You have your product. Oh tonight, yeah, most of Take your time, bro. You know, I was just curious. We are uh, on the. Uh, <clears throat> I was listening in on the uh, the little case junk, and I heard you mention like what you need to put in the case, and. I just realized what what amendment they said the Sixth Amendment that you can get a uh, attorney like it was mandatory. But what was they were talking about? The, uh, that was the what public Congress, the Second Continental Congress amendment. Say it again. The, uh, the Sixth what, Amendment. The, amendment? The, the Sixth yeah, Amendment. The they Sixth gave amendment. Right. Yeah, but what about it? That's the Second Continental Congress uh, Amendment, right? Mm, where you get that from? You know, we got uh, two different constitutions. We got the De Jure Constitution, which is the Constitution before 1933, and we got the Constitution after 1933, you know, foreign and domestic, private, public. Which is right, you know, right, but understand, right, but understand this though, that the right to a speedy trial was in constitutions prior to 1933. That's not something new. Even, even, even when they when they went into the Ferretta versus California, this is the whole reason why they brought up the constitutions. True indeed. Because according to the Organic Act of 1871, we know that that, that established 28 U.S.C. what 3215 Yeah, but 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 see, understand that that all of that came into play later. That's public law. That was codified into that. And yeah, so all that um, basically eight, unlawful, eight, the Organic right? Act of 1871. Well, what's unlawful? The thing is, is that if you're a citizen, right, if you're a citizen, then obviously, you know, their codes and all of that would apply to you. If you're not a citizen, then the Organic Act, that don't even apply to you. That applies to their citizens. That created a whole separate jurisdiction. Facts. 
I got a question about that though, cause you know I was thinking like, you know, once we correct our status and we become nationals, how in the hell are we gonna have income besides creating a business? Like we can't even work unless we like you know the I nine form. You know they got. Uh, no, you can work. That's why you got a birth certificate. So you got to understand that to work in the United States, you're not required to give up a social security number. Oh, okay. Okay, let's see it now. That's that's, the, that's in their law. So you're not required to give up a social security number. You can give up a birth certificate and go work. A lot of people, it's a whole bunch of people in this country so that's working that was born here that don't have a social. So you got nationals working right now? Of course you got nationals working. There are nationals who work. Man, I didn't even know that. So just get the court the court order, the court order, go but, ahead. But see, here's the know. thing. There's all types of nationals. So which nationals are you talking about? That's the question. Yeah, you're right. We do got different nationals. Because right now, I'm kind of yeah. thinking, hang on, hang on, you know, don't call me, but I'm kind of assuming, because I be the case. You know, I put exactly everything you was talking about just being into the case. I put... My North Carolina 1868 uh, Constitution in there. I put uh, Trinity versus Pagliaro. I put, uh, what else I put in there? Put, um, I put a couple more documents in there. And uh, I beat the case. I beat the case. And uh, ever since then, it's kind of like I'm kind of quasi. Like, they, they got to well, I got my injunction in too, so you know I, I probably played a big part. I put that into the case, but yeah, I've been kind of quasi because I ain't even they ain't even using my name no more. Like they using like a derivative of it, but on my DBA, uh-huh. I didn't put uh-huh. no der- I ain't put no derivatives on it. So it's like I'm using my just my first and last instead of my first middle last. Mm. So so I mean I, I think that ultimately, if you think about this, what happens? Is that when you invoke certain jurisdictions in the court, they don't have no choice but to respect it. This is why the judge is really telling you it's better for people to defend themselves. So I need it's to hear that get that court order. So I get yeah, yeah, to break I my so. I mean, yeah, that's a good thing to have. It's a good thing to have. I mean, because you got to look at it like this. When you step to a lot of these people, you, you got to have proof. Sure, indeed. Indeed. You gotta have proof of who you are. I mean, that, you know, it's funny because, you know, you see in the slave movies, a nigga walking down the road, and then it comes the, the nigga on the, on, the, on the horse and shit, and he wants to know why the slave out, where his papers are. Yeah, yeah. You're going out the stable, slave, for your papers. You know, they, straight up, they want to know where your papers is. So I'm, I'm so, like, I mean, assuming, like, since that, since all that transpired, I'm thinking I'm like a foreign national. You know that that that. Well, it's also known I, as, a, I would, as an alien. I would say, well, well, but see, the thing is, is you still got to do it the correct way, though. I know so that's a, what a I was true, saying. A true national is is somebody who takes a allegiance in front of a diplomatic or consular officer and to a foreign state. That's Fact. a that's a true national. So you got to fall under that category. You still got to do it correctly. I mean, thing is, is you know, an injunction is pretty powerful. Yeah, that's pretty powerful. I already witnessed that. <laughs> yeah, it's a it's I a powerful thing, man. 
It really is. You know, so I, I, I would just tell you to, you know, be steadfast, man, and, and how you operate, you know, in those courts, you know, and just make sure that, you know, any information that you can put in, put it in. Yeah, that's what Anything I should that you can prove. I wasn't even aware of all that. Like, I, I was thinking, like, because on my paperwork, you know, I was utilizing a specific United States code. And, you know, I ain't, you know, when you, uh, what is it called? You know, you take your oath under perjury and wait, what's, the, what's the name of it? Anyway, I put that on the paperwork, but I didn't put it under the United States. I put it under the United States of America. So I think that made an impact too. You know, at the end of the, uh, your paperwork, you know, whatever motion and all that other stuff you're trying to put in there, you got to take an oath on the penalty and perjury of the, of the uh, you know, your plea. Hello? Bro. Hello? All right, there we go. Can you hear me? They they cut me off. Yeah, I hear you, I hear you. Yeah, we gotta just Man, that's All crazy. Right, now you were saying. Yeah, like that. So you were saying what? Yeah, the I had. U.S. Code. Yeah, I was under the. And what was this called while you're looking it up? Tell me so that we know. It's the, it's the one that, uh, you know, you got to uh, declare on the penalty and perjury that everything is okay. correct. Okay, you know exactly what you're talking about. Without the, outside the laws, without the United States. Yeah, now, now that's, that goes on your giraffe. That's extremely important to put. Yeah, that's extremely, yeah. That's it, 28 U.S.C. 1746. Unsworn declarations under penalty of perjury. That's the code. Now, let me, let me pull something up for you while you're reading that. All right? Yeah. Now, the unsworn declaration. Uh, let me just, hold on, I want to pull up. All right, because you're reading 28 U.S.C. It's also been codified under 32 CFR. 32 CFR. I ain't even look at mm-hmm. that one. Break that down yeah, to me real quick. I know they, they go in there. Yeah, I know they go in there. Yeah, under the provisions of 28 U.S.C. 1746, whenever any matter is required or permitted to be established or proven by a sworn statement, an oath, or an affidavit, such matters yeah. may also be established or proven 
by unsworn written declaration on the penalty of perjury. Because of such declaration does not require a notary or other official administer oaths, individuals preparing statements for use in litigation should consider using the format. Hey, so you don't even need a notary when you once you put that on there. That's what it says. Under, under the now, now, of course, now check it out, right? Of course, I'm, I would say always use an old. Right? I mean, I don't see why you wouldn't. Yeah, I'd do it anyway. <laughs> yeah, hell yeah. Anything that you can't prove, you must prove. All right. Now, let me read this to you. Because we know what an unsworn declaration is. We need to know what a sworn declaration is. Now, a sworn declaration, also called a sworn statement, statement made under the penalty of perjury document that recites facts pertinent to legal proceedings. And it is similar to an affidavit, but not written and sealed by an official notary. Instead, the person making the declaration signs a separate endorsement paragraph at the end of the document stating that the declaration is made under the penalty of perjury. Right? So, a sworn declaration is the same thing, except you're not putting without the United States. Thanks. Right, so I mean, yeah, I think that's a real important too. Now check it out. When you use these declarations, right, like you did in court, they do know who you are now. So now they have to, they have to. I, I told y'all last week. This is what we refer to as um, belligerent, right? Because these courts have what kind of flags in them, bro? I know you know what kind of flags they got in their courts. Yeah, they ain't got the peace flag in there. They got that uh, maritime flag in there. There you go. It's a military flag. Now, now let me just pull up a definition no. of that. So that we're, yeah. this way we all on, on the same page here. Now, a military flag. Hold on. I'm going to go to the right one. Yeah, we're supposed to be under the matter silver fact, flag. Matter of fact, matter of fact, we're going to go to, I'm going to go to law of the flag because that's the important that. Law of the flag, principle of maritime international law, that the sailors and the vessel will be subject to the laws of the state corresponding to the flag flown by the vessel. The law of the flag doctrine does not mandate that anything that occurs aboard a ship must be handled by the flag state. The flag state. So when you go into a courtroom, they got two flags behind them, sometimes three. Or sometimes they got the gold fringe United States flag with the gold fringe around it. Then they got the state yeah. flag behind it. Yeah. And if the federal court that had the federal ones behind them, everybody flying their flags. And they up on, and they sitting higher than you, so they on their ship. So your only Can't ship you, you got to go in there with is your paperwork. Go ahead. What you yeah. about to say? You about to say you bring your flag in there? Yeah, the silver, the silver flag. You know, <laughs> you could. I've, I've seen it done before. I've seen people do that before. I really have. Have fun with I'm that. I'm gonna try it one day. I got, I'll, I got I'll a fine one. I'm kind of discreet. I'm gonna put it on my you, paperwork. You need to get some. Try to find some. Put it on the website. I cop some. Hey, listen, man. You know what? That's that's some good shit right there. We might have to do that. You know, and, and I'm gonna tell you something about the flag. Do you know? That those are some of the highest selling items really? next to the Bible or flags. Oh, yeah. I didn't know that. Well, think about the soccer games. 
Niggas be at soccer games yeah. with their fucking flags. Yeah, you're right. So, I mean, you know, that's something. We're going to definitely look into that. Good shit. That's good shit. But, yeah, man, I appreciate you bringing that up because I think that that kind of helps tie in what I'm saying about having an actual lawyer or having a, a public defender. Why do you need when they tell you right here, you can put all of your shit in and it's, it becomes law to a declaration. True, indeed. That's good shit. Appreciate you building with me, I'm gonna, Most there. I'm going to have to get a consultation with you, too, man, because I think I figured out how to do the the, uh, the nationality zone. But I just need a consultation to make sure I'm right. Because I ain't went to a seminar yet. i just been studying. Uh, okay. All right. It works a little different when, different when you haven't been to a seminar. So set up some time with me, and then I'll wrap with you about that. I bet. Okay, uh, but I, I definitely get your product out to you because we we a little behind on getting stuff out, but I got you, no problem. I right, no doubt. Okay, God peace. Peace. All right, let's try to go back over here. Let's go to three one three seven zero four. What up, you there? Three one three seven zero four. All right, let's let's keep it moving. Hold on. Maybe he was there. Three one three seven zero four. You there? No, he ain't. We're gonna keep it moving. All right, nine one zero three zero five. What up? Nine one zero three zero five. Eight one three four three one. Let's do it. Eight one three four three one. There we go. Peace to the God. Peace to the God. Joe. Welcome How to the doing? show. What's up, bro? It's all good. Welcome to the show. Yeah, man. How your weekend was, bro? It was peaceful. That's what's up. Yeah, man. That seminar was nice. I see. This this is something that touched close to home. That's not what I was you was at, man. Right? This this topic you was reading on tonight. Yeah, well, well I actually got the idea for this show because my cousin at the barbershop gave me a um, copy of the newspaper and it had this article in um, about how they got niggas sitting down at the county for five years. And I knew this already. Mm. The nigga in the county told me this. He said, yo, this nigga's been in the county for seven years. Ain't been charged. Wow. Wow, yeah. That's what, that's what happened down here too, man. This nigga sitting in the jail for like a year and a half. Trying to fight, but the public defender won't give him, you know, the right the right time. Shit, I was in there one time waiting on the public defender. Come on, yeah. man. I was too at one point. Yeah, I know. I started Listen, bro, before I knew all of this, yeah, man. I mean, so that's why this info is so important. Because if niggas are sitting behind jail, and the best thing, the best advice that they're being told by a judge is to just plead guilty, then the system has failed you. So then we gotta look at what's really going on. Yeah, people are just they don't know what their rights are. I think that's the problem. That's a big part of the problem. Yeah, and, and that that thing that the boy was reading, I was like, wow, man, that's how. This, oh that's yeah, how Mr. Smith that's why I played it. It was a little long, but it was deep, right? Oh, that shit was deep, man. That shit needs to be heard by a lot of motherfucking people, man.
man. That dude was like, that's heavy. why I played. Yeah. And, and, and what did he say? He said, yo, black people, you know, that's what he's referring to. Blacks don't even have no sympathy for each other. He said, they'll just yeah. throw each other to the fucking ground, to the curb. Yeah. He was, like, he, was like, he was like, at least white and Mexicans have a sense of humanity. Exactly. Exactly. So I'm like, yeah, we, we all fucked up, man. We all fucked up. You know? Yeah, they fucked up. Now, the whole thing is, is that if if you, if it's a white dude saying it, a public defender who's supposed to be defending the public, what do you think <laughs> judges think and attorneys think? I mean, the judge told you to roll over. He said, he said the best thing you can do is either defend yourself or roll over. I mean, that's just, that. I mean, you know, I, I've been in that situation, you know what I'm saying? So, before I even had this information, you know, I had a couple of cases fight, but that shit, you know what I'm saying? That's when you don't well, know, me too. Judges, you know, you think you know a little well, yeah. bit. When Come they on, judges. bro. Yeah, that's it. I that's mean, true. that's kind of how I look at it. You, you think you know a little bit, but just take a look at the laws. You know, how many people are doing... Constitutional challenges and putting the Sixth Amendment in there. None, you know. None. None. Most of you know, that's something else to explore. Before I met y'all, I I, I heard whispers of a constitutional challenge, but I ain't never know what it looked like, how it went, anything. When I met Let me y'all, tell you I'm how like, deep it go, I, I dug so deep into it, right? That that what I found out was that not only does you know, is it in the Constitution? But what these people do is they take it and they put it in little codified codes in the state, right? So then when you go into court, courts, these courts actually have ways that they want you to do challenges and put them in to accept constitutional challenges. So they follow the shit right down to the teeth. You can never say they're not following the laws, but they're not following the They damn so ain't. They ain't never followed follow the law, so it didn't matter. They don't never follow the law. Yeah, that shit crazy. Yeah, it is. Yeah, I agree. Let me let me let me chop this shit up to you right fast. Okay, there you so, go. Okay, I went to court. I went to court for my little child support shit. You know, I told you they denied me most, right? Well, okay. it really wasn't the most. Yeah, it really I wasn't know. the it most. Right. Mm-hmm. I don't even know why they did the motion hearing for that. That doesn't make sense. To you me, know. But, okay. But since they denied it, they ain't sent me no paperwork. You know what I'm saying? It's been damn near almost four weeks. They ain't sent me no paperwork saying they denied it on, on what cause. What was the cause they denied it? <laughs> I, I would ask you a question. Do you think, you know, because when we're talking about actors, these people are state actors. Right? So, do, do you not think that that was. For them to put you in there so they can see who they're talking with, who they're dealing with. Yeah, I think I think that's what it was. I do. Yeah. I mean, if I ain't bite them on the chicks, they wanted me to swear in. They wanted my address, all this. I ain't I ain't biting none of the tricks. So it was, it was, I was just wondering. I'm trying. I'm going down there tomorrow because I just got back from the seminar. I'm just gonna see if they close it out. But if not, I'm gonna just buy a couple more decisions at them and see what's going on. So, so do you know what a, do you know what the state actor is? The state what? You know what a state actor is? State actor? 
Yeah, state actor. You know what a state actor is? Uh-uh, a state actor in the United States, right, is is a person who is acting on behalf of a government body and is therefore subject to a regulation under the U.S. Bill of Rights, including the First, Fifth, and the Fourteenth Amendments, which prohibits the federal and state government from violating certain rights or freedoms, right? So that, that's what they call state actors, right? Usually your public officials, right? Now, you know what a non-state actor is? No. That's a... Now, in international law, a non-state actor is an individual or a group that holds influence in which are wholly or partially independent of a sovereign state or state. Okay? So... Right, well, that's what you should understand. So to understand what happens when they, when they call you up in there, and they're trying to deny what you would call emotion. It's not really emotion. That wasn't emotion. It wasn't even emotion wasn't. here. Definitely wasn't emotion. I made that adamant with him. No, it wasn't emotion. It wasn't emotion here. So why'd they have you in there? Exactly. That's why, that's why I asked them. I'm like, well, why are we here? I was like, it wasn't emotion. It, I, I'm rescinding my signature. I'm like, I'm not asking you. I'm telling you. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I'm like, so, not yeah, no, I mean, yeah, so I, I, listen, I, I want you to fully understand that, right? If they had you in there like that, and you, and you are showing up and you're saying, hey, listen, I'm here, <laughs> right? And, and you're saying, I'm here, they want to see who you are. You showing up well, in proper persona, nigga, you showing up in the flesh and blood band, the, the, the all caps name. I'm showing up as the guy who just rescinded the contract. They want to see who you are. No, it didn't even get that far, man. It, it, it was so it was so crazy because they didn't even introduce themselves. They just came right line to me and say, "Oh, let me swear you in right fast." I say, "Huh?" I say, "What? What are you talking about?" Swear. Exactly. I'm like, "I don't swear." First, you know how to use it. Everybody gets introduced, stayed, and all this. That none of that shit happened. It just came straight to me. Oh, you, let me swear you in. I say, "Huh?" I say, "Whoa." I say, "I don't swear in." Well, you got a firm. I'm like, I don't affirm neither. Or oh, we can't, we can't take your statement today. I say, well, what are we doing here? And that's how it went. <laughs> that, well, I'm gonna crazy. tell you like this: if that's how it went, then, then we both know that at the end of the day, that yeah, you know, it, silence is awesome, yeah. yeah, yeah I, I just kept it. Exactly. They ain't sent me no paperwork saying it. They denied it. So I just been replaying the shit on my head and as I go through this shit. I'm like, man, that shit was so funny. Ain't nobody introduced themselves. They just came straight to me and was like, what's up? It's you. I'm like, okay, I ain't fall for it. Yeah, here's my other thing. I'm trying to help somebody get off the road. I know you can do the rescission of signature. You got to send it to the judge, the parole officer, and what's the third person? So if you help somebody get off the road, most times... The parole officer, but you're gonna take it to whoever is over the who is over the parole officer. Like remember, you gotta go to the boss. The parole officer don't have the power to take the parole. You got to go on so the table. So that would be the Department of Corrections, maybe. Yeah, if that's who's over them, whoever is at the very very top of the Department of Corrections, the person who took the oath to uphold the Constitution. But that's the main. That's the main person. Or do I have to necessarily send it to number three? 
just a just a head pro guy and the judge or, or just a head pro guy? You know, I, I, I would say, you know, ultimately, ultimately you're probably going to end up sending a letter to the parole guy. But look at it like this, right? If you have a problem at Target, are you going to go to one of the employees at Target or are you going to go to the manager? We'll go to or the manager. Or you going to go past the manager's head and go to corporate. GM, yeah, GM. Yeah. Going yeah. I'm going to go past the GM. I might, write, I might write for president at Target. If I'm, if, you know, depending on how I feel. So it's that type of thing. You got to go all the way to the top when you're doing stuff like parole and child support. Yeah, because that's why I sent my decision to. I sent this all the way to the top. So that's why I'm like, shit. Okay, man. Yeah, I, I appreciate you yeah. doing man. You know, I go all the way to the top, I, bro. I appreciate what y'all do, man. What's your seminar in Houston, man? I know, man. I, I talked to John today, man. I'm, I'm a... I'm mad I missed it, but I know them brothers had a good seminar. You know, I'll yeah, them well too, because you know, yeah, that you know that that was a good turnout. You know, we've been waiting all year for turnouts like that, so that was that's what's up. You know, and we got Atlanta coming up, so hopefully a lot of people join us in Atlanta. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to think which I'm going to. Am I going to the um the uh, ritual? Or I'm going to the seminar, man. Go to both. <laughs> yeah. I, I do too. I, I got to take the kids to one. So. Yeah, man. Joe, mm-hmm. I, I you ain't going to get the, you ain't going to get all, or you get knowledge that's the ritual, but, you know, it's about, you yeah. know, that seminar, we're going to, we're going to really break some shit down, man. I look forward to that. Yeah, oh, yeah. Look, uh, here's my other question. Okay, when you get down with your third letters, you just go ahead and they'll respond. Just go ahead and open the suit up, correct? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So I would, I would, after you get to your third letter, Depending on what the situation is, you can either go for summary judgment, right, or you can do the, um, you know, uh, I, very rarely do people use a notary to send out an invoice, but you can do a notary invoice for the debt collection issue, right? And other than that, I mean, you do your summary judgment, the notary presentment, you know, or your process, and then you go right it's in a, and it's, it's, it's an inadmissible credit pool, man. You think you can help me out with that, man? I, I oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, those are, that's, F, that, that's the um, FDCPA. No, excuse me, FCRA. Yeah, man, they, they've been on my credit for almost two years, man. I'm, I'm trying to go get there. Shit, I don't know why you don't. That's why I, I need some help, man. I, I'm trying to set it up this week so you can help me out so I can pursue that's this, That's fine, man. bro. I got, I got a few people I've got to rework into my schedule this week. So um, I'm going to actually, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to mark some stuff off the calendar. But if you book, you should see all the openings on the calendar. Okay. I'm going I'm to try to get it early so, as soon as possible, man, so we can get this done. So I okay, bro. It, no problem. Okay, bro. No problem. All right. All right. All right bro, peace. peace, man. Peace. peace.
Uh, they cut my mic again. All right, let's go to 316. 308. There we go. What's up, man? Peace to the God. What's good, brother? Joey Bounce up, baby. There we go. What's up, brother? Peace to the God. What's up, show, brother? Man, you know, doing wonderful, magnificent, and great, like always. You know what good, I'm saying? Good to hear. Good to hear. Absolutely. Absolutely. Good to hear. No doubt. So what's new in the show, uh, too, brother? Well, you know, I appreciate you bringing up the topic because, you know, I actually have uh, a couple of brothers that I'm actually hoping that's listening right now as far as still with the topic at hand. You know what I'm saying? <clears throat> I hope so. A lot of people have been coming in and out tonight. So, you know, you I, you know, you never know who's, who's in. But hopefully information gets to them. I hope the right information gets to people. You know? Oh, most definitely. We just got to know what our rights are. This is going all back to the... Original shit, knowing the Constitution, you know what I'm saying? Knowing, you know, the, the uh, Articles of Confederation and Association, all the original shit, the treaties, all that shit. Yeah, yeah, all that old information that don't nobody act like they know about. Yeah, you know what's funny? Niggas, they ask me, like, well, why y'all know the treaties? Uh, I say, well, the reality of it is, is that you're not ready for a treaty if you're still a citizen. You still thinking like this? Exactly. How can you invoke a tree? If you still represent yeah. yourself like a citizen, you can't. You can't. You know what I'm saying? You have to actually be in your status, your right capacity. Exactly. Well, then you have to understand what that is as well. Show, Listen, man, I got pulled over tonight right before the show. You niggas came back, let me go so fast. So you still have to do the fast. Did I? I didn't even see you, nigga. I'm paying no attention to you. <laughs> of course not. What's the radar? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, man. I, listen, bro, you got to know your rights, protect your rights, stand on your square. But do the right thing. The Constitution don't work if you don't do the right thing. That's what I tell you. I'm like, you can't go do wrong and think it's going to help you. Exactly. Spiritual document. Okay, nobody say that constitution is a spiritual document. Your oh, most definitely. And if you don't believe now, it, you then you obviously it. ain't read it. Yeah, exactly. Now, I'm gonna say I know you didn't call the hero, but I want to read something to to you here. You see here, okay? Because this is where a lot of this comes from. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now, the great law of peace. All right. Among the six nations comprising of the Mohawk, the Ondoga, the Oinda, the Kauga, and the Seneca, right? And, and now, mind yourself, these names have been changed, okay? Right? Mm-hmm. The Great mm-hmm. Law of Peace is the oral constitution of the Iroquois Confederacy, okay? The law was written on the Wapum Belt, conceived by the Deca Weeda, known as the Great Peacemaker, and his spokesman, Hiawatha. The original five member nations ratified this constitution near modern day Victor, New York, with the Six Nations, Six Nations, right, being added in 1722. Laws were first recorded and transmitted into written language, but by means of wampum, which were symbols that conveyed meaning. In later era, it was translated into English and various other accounts. Now, you know this was put in, you know it was in Arabic, right? And mm-hmm. the Great Law of Peace. Presented as part of the narrative, noting laws and ceremonies 
to be performed at prescribed times. The laws called constitutions are divided into 117 articles. The United Iroquois nations are symbolized by eastern white pine trees called trees of peace. And each nation or tribe plays a delineated role in the conduct of the government. See? Bro, all that shit comes from our ancestors. So when we talk about constitution and all of the original shit, that's what it comes from. Most definitely. It was enshrined in the great law piece. And I and, and I appreciate you and Jonas for bringing that to us. You know what I'm saying? Because there, there's not there's not really much of anybody that's actually bringing that kind of substance to the forefront for us. You see what I'm saying? Not really. You know, like not brothers really. can go Even back and they can listen to this. You know what I'm saying? Like they can go back and listen to this and actually go look at that information for themselves and read it for themselves. You know, like how how many other Moors or teachers or however you want to classify it, how many other, you know, different ones are actually doing what y'all doing? You know, it's Yo, it's, it's, it's up, precedent. Bro. You know what I'm saying? Yo, it it really does. Yo, now I want to ask you a question. How many mm-hmm. tribes was there supposedly in Israel? You said tribes of Israel? Mm-hmm. How many tribes? I'm going to be honest with you, I don't really remember. Anybody out there know? I believe it was five. Was it five? I believe it was five. Okay. Yeah, let's see. Let me see here. There were Reuben, Timothy, Judah, Ishkar. There may have been more. No, the 12, there were 12 tribes. Excuse me. So there were 12 tribes. Excuse me. So now, okay, okay. There were twelve tribes with Israel. Now check it. The Iroquois mm-hmm. Confederacy, right? I want to read something to you. All right. Now the Iroquois okay. Confederacy, or the Haudenosaunee, is believed to have been founded by the peacemakers, which is this, this tribe, in eleven forty-two, right? Bringing together five distinct nations in the Southern Great Lakes area. Each nation with the mm. Iroquois Confederacy had a distinct language, territory. And function in the League of Nations. Iroquois' power at its peak extended into present-day Canada, westward along the Great Lakes, and down both sides of the Allegheny Mountains into present-day Virginia, Kentucky, and Ohio. Now, when they could say that we're the 12 tribes of Israel, I'd have to say that this would probably be five of them right here. Oh, most definitely. Without question. Okay, so if you know, and I'm reading, I'm only reading this because it's important for us to know, bro. All of this shit we bring in, all this, all this shit is available to us to go find, right? But somebody got to bring it mm-hmm. up. And that's what I said. And that's what, and that's what a lot of us brothers appreciate about you and Jonah's teachings. You know what I'm saying? Because y'all don't just say stuff just to say stuff because it sounds good. You know what I mean? Like, y'all actually will go and show us, like, no, this is where I got the information from, and this is where you can have your understanding of what's being brought Listen, to you. Bro, you know, like Jonah was so telling brothers the other day on the show. And I can tell mm-hmm. you, if you're not biting my information, you're biting the government. Because they put this shit out. 
Exactly. You, know, you bite the internet. I didn't publish this information, but I'm but I can I can decipher it. And that's what a lot of people can't do though. You know. You know, we'll definitely decipher it. So but you know, I, I appreciate you bringing that up, man. You know, I, I definitely do. You know, it's just one of those things where we're gonna keep bringing the info, but everybody gotta keep doing their study. It ain't on me. Oh, most definitely. It's on each person. You know what I'm saying? And and here's the yeah. thing. Like I talked tonight about the brother. The brother had mentioned. He was like, "Well, what about 1871?" He was mm-hmm. like, "You know, doesn't that make doesn't that make stuff unconstitutional?" Right? Well, yeah. But we got to know what happened before that. Just like last week, I broke down what happened in the succession of time from when we lost the government. Just like Jonah told us about the um, you know, about about the cataclysm. Unless you knew exactly. about that, yes. And when that happened, you wouldn't even understand why there was a period of time where there was a reconstruction. Why would they be reconstructing it? Exactly. What happened to have you want to do war? it? Yeah. Shit. What what happened? Well, now we know what happened. So you know. I mean, you know, a piece of the gods, bro. I, I really do appreciate people tuning into this because this is one of them things where if we can really start dissecting what's out there for us, man. Like, niggas are winning their case. We see this all the time. Yeah. If a judge oh, yeah. tells you, bro, you better go defend yourself or roll over, I think I'm going to defend myself. Oh, all the time. You know what I mean? There's no question with that. And there should be no question with anybody else. You know, but that's. But that's also how we have evidence of lack of knowledge within our community, though. You know, because you exactly. you replayed it twice just so we understand that, look, we have an issue. And if we don't take a stand with that issue, we're always going to have that issue. No matter how you slice yo, it. Yo, the dude laughs at us, man. The, dude, the, 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 the public defender laughs. Yeah. When they ask him a question, he lied, bro. That 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 should tell you something. Like these niggas don't mean nothing to us. You know, they actually have a lawsuit right now against the city here for this very matter. The people sitting in jail for too long. There's no speedy. I believe it. There's no speedy trial. People not getting rushed through the court system. And the thing is, is as long as they're taking out these public obligation bonds, you know, to feed the money for the city, it's gonna keep on happening. That's right. It continues to be a problem because then you got niggas who keep getting locked up. You know, I was watching The Wire, right? The dude said, mm-hmm. dude said well, if, if bodies wasn't dropping in the hood, we could just keep selling dope. Right? And the reality of it is, is that that's true. But guess what? They're still going to keep coming because they got to make money off of something. Exactly. So they're going to make money off of. You know, they make money when you register your car. They make money when you don't register your car. You know? Yeah, whether you know it or not. Try not registering the car, (laughs) even under a trust. Ride around with Mm -hmm. it for long enough. See if they don't try to give you a ticket. They'll still try to give you one. There we go. We just went in overtime. They're going to try to give you a ticket, dog, for anything they can. To, to bring money into the state 
That's what it's about. It's business. You well, gotta respect that. That's business. Exactly. You come into my territory, you gotta pay for that. Unless you're somehow exempt, you know, for a nigga, you gotta pay. Most definitely. And 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 that's to be expected though, you know. And that's our problem is is we don't understand that. Well, I think at the end of the day, you know, if if we all, you know, take a little time, you know, you know, I'll tell you what I did was I actually went and found the constitution that I like the best in my state and I mm-hmm. downloaded the whole thing. It took me a lot of paper, but I downloaded it. You know. No doubt. And I did the same thing, Joey. I, I ain't even gonna lie. I got it. It's right in front of me, bro. You know what I'm saying? And, and if I come into my no office and I want to look through it, I'll look through it. Mm-hmm. And it actually, I actually, I look at it like a workbook. You know, I'm gonna go through, highlight some shit, keep learning some stuff, find some new stuff, figure out how this works in my favor, how this don't work. Most definitely. You know, that's how this shit works. Yeah. But anyway, well, you know, you want to add anything else, well, well, I'm you know, well, like I said, I just, hey, I, I appreciate you being on it, you know what I'm saying, because some of us too humble to even actually act like we got one, you know what I'm saying, so I even appreciate you being on yours, you know, because you should be, bro, you know what I mean, because you bringing that knowledge. I'm only coming from a real perspective, I mean, you know, I mean, I got partners going through this, so... You know, yeah, it means a lot. When you got partners going through this shit, yeah. You know, Most when, 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 you, when you've been through it, I've been through this shit myself. Having to use the public defender. Come on, bro. That's, that's messed mm-hmm. up. Hey, bro, I'm going to tell you. Uh, just a quick story. You know, I, I actually had to use a public defender one time in a case. And it actually, quote, unquote, helped me just because they had it to came. drop uh, a charge or two. Because they couldn't prove it, you know what I mean. As far yeah, as the basis of the degree of the charge, yeah, Listen, you know. So I mean, it was helpful. You got to go that path. Well, I, I, I yeah. feel like if you got to go that path, and it's a path of least resistance, then take it. You know, most definitely. If not, then then your best bet, you know, is, is to you know. Now I, I tell you like this: I've seen people go in and give a public defender a copy. Of their paperwork and say, hey, listen, can you please, you know, um, you know, put this in? And some of these niggas are nasty, and they'll be like, no, I'm not doing that. Right? And I've seen that. And mm-hmm. you don't really want that problem. So then it's like, in the case like that, let's, let's say your freedom's on the line. Then, yeah, you might want to take a public defense. I mean, you might want to defend yourself. But Absolutely. if your freedom's not on the line, and you got something like a traffic case, and you don't really feel like fighting it, you can use a public defender in the sense of, I want you to do this for me. I'm not taking that plea. Get it down lower. I'm not going to pay a fine. You know? I mean, if you know how to work with that system. But it's a fucked up system. Exactly. But like you said, if you know how to work with it, you can use it. You know, because you could, like you said, you could utilize that public defender, you know, to your advantage. But if you don't know what you're doing, then it's not going to really help you so much. Exactly. Exactly. Well, I encourage, that's just the same reason why I encourage people to go look up their constitution. Because it tells you Mm -hmm. you have a right to defend yourself. Just know when you defend yourself, they're going to put you through a Feretta hearing. When they put you through a Feretta hearing, you better know how to stand on your square. But. Well, we should oh, expect that, that though. The 
Right. But we, I mean, honestly, Joey, we should expect that, though. I mean, because that's, that's really, honestly, respecting us more so than just, you know, a part of their process. Cause okay. Because that's allowing us to like prove this. ourselves to be competent. You know what I mean? It, it does. Oh, I look at it like this, right? Let's say you're in the NBA. If you're in the NBA, yeah. right, and you're playing professional ball, before you can step on the court with LeBron, right, and play on the court, you've got to be able to prove that you're worthy to even be on the court. So the whole lot Thank of you. on the bench. That's real talk. You know, so I, yeah, if you're gonna, and, and here's the other thing too. Cats are getting convicted by by uh, a jury, right? So so they 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 going and getting uh, a jury that's not of their peers. And that's another problem. Right. Who are your peers? Mm-hmm. Your peers nationals? Are they are they U.S. citizens? Are they Moors? Are they who are your peers? Right. Who are these people? So, I mean, there's a lot of questions to be answered, but there's a lot of answers to those questions too. Exactly. But if you yeah. don't know the questions it's to like, ask, uh, how can you get the type of answers? Well, well this is true. Well, <laughs> look at the Civil Rights Act that we pulled up of 1866. Right? It's it's very straightforward. Exactly. Yeah. You know, and what and in and, and what it deals with, you know, with the type of act that it is, you know, I think that it's important to also understand that it also tells you that you are an inhabitant. It lays your status out. Yes, it does. It's like I mean, you gotta come forth. That's why I tell people, man, even in some of your nationality cases, niggas should consider using that. Mm-hmm. Everybody should be. I'm gonna be honest with you. Everybody should be considering how they how they can use that in any case that they have right now, because more or less that applies to your case. Well, it, listen, it comes down to knowing who you are. At the end of the day, do you know who you are? Yes. You know, I mean, I, I remember in the beginning, I was told. I think it was either. It may have been Ali Muhammad or somebody. Somebody said this. It was like, yo, your nationality is not given to you. I mean, you know, you, you come in life with it. Nobody can give that to you. Mm-hmm. You know, so you have a right to be who you are. And all of that matters when, when we start talking about the law, how it applies to you, having public defenders. Knowing who you are really does matter. You heard what dude said. He said a lot of people... We struggle for for them to even put on a suit. They want to come in with their game colors on. Right. And if you're a Moor, come in with your fez on. If you're a Muslim, come in with your head wrap on. I, I get exactly. it. Right? Respect to those who, yeah. who, who rep their colors. I, I get it. But at the same time, you're playing in a, on a, this is a different playing field. It's the same thing, right? So we, we, mm-hmm. if we want a different level here. Come into the courtroom with your fez on. Come in and represent your nation. Really represent a nation. You know, we have to. You know, it's a time. One man say, you know, we put away the games when we come in. Right. So we got to put away the games. So that's 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 really what it comes down to. Indeed. Yeah, man. But um, I appreciate you calling, bro. We we building over here. It's all good. No, most it's definitely, all good, bro. No and doubt. I and, and I love it. Right. You know what I'm saying? And I 
well, I just want y'all to know, you man, you know. What's up? We're going to keep building. You know, Jonah builds, you know, a couple of days a week. We build over here a couple of days a week. But we're trying to actually do more shows because we be feeling like we're not giving out enough info. I know. Man, I'm let's do it. I know I'm not giving out enough info. So we're trying to give out more info. We want to. We want to do more more shows, health shows and shit like that. So we working, dog. It's just I'm gonna tell you like there's so much information, shit always changes. Like for instance, if you didn't know when you're doing your nationality, what happens is is that a lot of times in these courts, bro, they're changing their rules. They meeting in private, having they signing meetings, they meeting about what we doing to change. Of course they are the scope of shit. You know, you know, the yeah, so they they got to try to get ahead of this thing, you know. Exactly. That's why the Bible case is so big. They're trying to get ahead of the shit. Oh shit! They, but they, they trying to downplay that case. You hey, you see how bad they trying to downplay it though? They trying to downplay yes, that do. case horribly. You know what I mean? Like they are not trying to let that information out. <laughs> That's no, they, they precedent. That like Jonah said, I mean, it was yeah, huge. It's fun, man. Listen, man, with that info. You know, that can change the scope of, of how people are even treated in this country. Absolutely. You know, this, you know, we're one of the only countries that operate um, off of, uh, you know, just so versus just angels. Uh-huh. There's no right to, you know, so you, you can't come over here and become a citizen because your grandma was a citizen. You got to come over here and get naturalized. You don't automatically yes. get it. Uh-huh. You know, you know, that's why Trump wanted to get rid of the fourteenth amendment. They're like, no, nah, you can't get rid of the fourteenth amendment. We gotta impeach you. Yeah, we don't want you doing all that. Let him, let him be here another term. That's what this is really about. Let him be in another term. See not and they watch don't if you don't see the fourteenth amendment go away. <clears throat> they don't wanna see that though. They don't wanna see that. Well and then even then still, Joe, we gotta think about it. It might even happen once he's out of his term just because of how long it takes for it to actually come into effect. Yeah, exactly. exactly. You know what I'm saying? So we have to even think about that, too. Oh, yeah. You know, even if he well, does get that extra that's term. that's a skillful thing. That's a very skillful thing to even go in and change that. And that's not, and it's the funny thing is, how can you change something that's unconstitutional to begin with? Exactly. That's the whole thing about it. And I think that's that's really the million dollar question. How do you change something that doesn't really exist, but to people who it exists for? I mean, that's a it's a it's a very strange thing. It exists for corporations, but nigga, I've never seen a corporation with legs and, and feet and eyes and toes. Exactly. Now, it's it could be interesting just in the standpoint of the fact is that. He would he would try to change something like that that we know that hasn't been ratified or you know has no standing at law at all you know what I mean so it it could be something to where they might be scared of it helping him more so than maybe helping others that just understand themselves to be U.S. citizens you know because he's got corporations businesses and different stuff like that too you know so that it it, it might more or less help him too though you know. Well, they asked him for his taxes. He's like, "What? Well, you know, t- taxes? I'm not giving y'all no taxes. Everything in the trust. I don't have to give y'all no taxes. Exactly. Tax I'm not operating like that. Exactly. 
So, you know, operators, men die. Uh, uh, what they call it? Uh, the operate, men die operators? I can't even pronounce it right now. Operator, men uh-huh. die, or it's something like that. The mode of operation. Like how you Got operate. you. Okay. Right, right. Latin. Uh, yeah, just type in Latin word for that. But that's, that's, that's essentially what that is. How you operate? What kind of business you do? Right on. I, I tell you what. Go read the book, Why We Want You to Be Rich, by Donald Trump and Robert Kiyosaki. They explain that. Why uh, they do okay. this certain okay. types of ways. Okay, gotcha. So, but, hey, man, I got to move on to the next caller, bro. I appreciate you calling, brother. Oh, no doubt, God. I just appreciate, I appreciate y'all, you like calling, I said, bringing man. the information to us. You know what I'm saying? Oh, for sure. That's what we're here for, bro. Peace no to doubt. God. Peace to God. All right, let's go to 407-668. What up? What up? Jerry, can you hear me? Yeah, you Hello? Back there. We hear you. Peace to God. Oh, peace to the God, Joey. Ain't not much, man. Tuning in, man. Peace. I appreciate you doing the show. Y'all coming on every week. I want to say that first. Appreciate y'all taking the time. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, teaching. No doubt. For I, sure, I want, sure. Like I said, we probably do more shows. Right? You know, we need to do more shows. There's more... There's more subjects we can cover, more information on, even on other topics. Did y'all um, you know, come we, up with any we're gonna type try of to topics y'all want to? 2020. I'm going to about some what, topics. What I'm working on, yeah, well, what I'm working on, bro, is a suggestion box that we're going to put on the site. I was just so going to ask you that. Comment suggestions. Yeah, for I was just going to ask you that. Here. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, I'm going to hit you with some stuff, too, that I was thinking um, I'm listening to the show, man. That's interesting about the public defender. What they're talking about, we made me think about, remember when Jonah did a show about two weeks ago and he read the article from Florida, how they were talking about yes. pro se litigants? And it was yes. so real. Like, if you represent yourself, you're in a better position. And y'all laced us with the exactly. game, man. That's the way to go. Yeah, you were in a better position. They were talking about Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know what I was going through in Orlando. Man, I felt like they were talking to me in that article. You know what I'm saying? Because, you know, they had four prosecutors on me. Exactly. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. For sure, sure. That's real shit. I always say that if you go into court and you know this because you've been in there enough times, you know that. Oh, yeah. The way that they start treating you, you've been changed. Like, they're looking at you like, oh, he's oh. not a degenerate. You know, he's not like those people. Joe, That's how they talk listen, let me like, say, <laughs> I'm going to say something real quick. Oh, when I, first day I walked in that motherfucker. No, second day. Oh, um, Mr. Um, Mr. L, after they start calling Mr. L, I had to check him and then he had to give, put the name correct. But he was like, oh, finally somebody comes in here looking proper and is ready for court. In front of everybody, all the attorneys and everything, you know what I'm saying? So you're right on that. They respect the way you carry yeah, yourself, exactly. what you speak about, yes, your knowledge. Yeah, 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 it is. Yeah, it is. Yes, but, they you do. Know, I was just yes, they do. It's all something about how you go in there, man. You know, I, you know sometimes yeah. you only get one impression, and sometimes your paperwork is your impression, and it's also about how you show oh, yeah. up. You got to have no fear, man. You, we really got to have no fear, and... Stand on the square like you were saying But knowledge is the square man You know what I'm saying Once you got that you good money You know what I'm saying Yes it is Sure sure 100% Yeah Joe 
I was just, um, you know, I just want to hail you up, bro. You know, shout out. You know, and I like the show. Tom oh, yeah. Is. No doubt. Yeah. Shout out to you for You know what I mean? For sure, for sure. All right, Joey. Um, I hear okay, you in the God. project. All right, we'll wrap. All right. Okay, no doubt. For sure. No doubt. All, right. All right. So we got um we got Atlanta coming up, Atlanta seminar. We're gonna be in Atlanta, December the seventh. Jonah and myself, Joey Air. All right, we're gonna be out there. Make sure that you come out. Um, go to makeforecommerce.com. All right, if you need to get with me, I got a bunch of people to get with, and I know we got some products out there that I gotta get out there. So we working, y'all. We, we we behind. I ain't gonna lie to y'all. We behind. We we trying to catch up like Alright, we actually, like I said, we're trying to make everything digital. So niggas can have all their shit digitally downloaded, right? So it makes things much easier on our end as well. Alright, so I appreciate y'all patience. Uh, with that being said, uh, also go to JonahBay.com so you can give my man Jonah. If you got some questions or comments or need a consultation with him or product. Alright, and with that being said, man, we out of here. And I'll see y'all next week. Alright, peace. Thank you.